Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 76. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by Chris, the unexclusive Raygun. Chris, thank you for joining me today. Of course. How is your life? Pretty good. Doing yeah? pretty good. I got a lot of stuff that I'm really excited about. Yeah, what's going on? I saw you tweeting a little bit of some hints and whatnot about your... Podcast maybe going weekly next year and some gaming content. What's happening? Yeah, so me and uh, my roommate Sweeney and a friend of mine, uh, Derek, uh, some black guy on YouTube. That's his name. I'm not being an asshole. <laughs> I, always oh, to, I, always, oh. <laughs> I always have to clarify that. He's got like such a cursed name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, he was like, hey, we should just do a weekly thing. And I was like, well, I got this podcast that I don't do super weekly. So we're just going to do that weekly next year. We're Perfect. recording, uh, we're starting to record, we're recording like a inter, like a, like a pilot kind of thing, I think this Sunday so that we can post it in January and then like get on a weekly schedule. So that's something. Most excellent. Well, congratulations. That's yeah, uh, it's fun. a big step for you and your content. And then I saw just, you tweeted out a little while ago that you're going to start doing some more gaming content right on YouTube, which you had kind of been talking about for a while, I guess. Yeah. I've been dabbling on it and I've always been like, uh. 
I don't know. I've been holding back because I was like, ah, do people want to see that? And I was like, you know what? I want to see it. So fuck it. Right on. Well, yeah. people will watch it like anything you do. Like my YouTube videos don't do very well, but I also don't put a lot of effort into YouTube because I just I just hate how we have no control there. So next year I might try to dabble a little bit more once I'm moved. But we'll see. I mean, the podcasts are the bread and butter, obviously. So yeah, uh, we have to stick with the sacred symbols, the sacred symbols plus and the knockback. And remember, uh, for all of the un- the uninitiated listening for the first time, our show is supported on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, where you can get early ad free access to every episode of the show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas to our show. And of course, the little golden nugget buried in there, Chris, which is Sacred Symbols Plus that everyone's really enjoying. Sacred Symbols Plus is our weekly Patreon exclusive supplement to Sacred Symbols, where we talk about all sorts of different things. Last week, I did a fun mailbag where I went through and uh, took some of your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas we were not able to fit into other shows. And we had a nice conversation about all sorts of different topics. And this week, we're going to sit down, I think, on Thursday and record the Fallen Order spoiler cast. I still have to beat the game. Yeah. So I have to keep moving. But I got to be honest with you. I'll talk a little bit more about it when we on our spoiler cast, rather, Chris. But I had to drop the difficulty level from hard to normal in really? Fallen Order. I just I, I, again, it's one of those games. It reminds me a little bit of Sekiro where I mean, it's not not nearly as uh, like Sekiro in, in many ways. I, I like this a lot more than I li- I personally like Sekiro. But it I, I just want to brute force my you give me a lightsaber. Just let me hack and slash away, you know? Yeah, and no, exactly. <laughs> so I felt. But what's interesting about it is that there's they kind of give you it's like Jedi Master, Jedi Knight, whatever these difficulty levels are. And then they give you these three little sliders that show you this is like how much energy and enemies are going to or how much damage they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it was too hard on hard and it's too easy on normal. And there's like nothing in between for me. Yeah. So eh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a drag for Colin Moriarty. A little bit. But uh, remember to tune into that if you guys are interested. And we have some other spoiler casts that we put up recently, including Control, which we're going to talk about in a little while, mm-hmm. actually, and Death Stranding, which people really enjoyed as well. So thank you for your support over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. I also have to remind you, since it's the holiday season, you can buy Collins Last Stand merch, including Sacred Symbols merch. Just go to CollinsLastStand.com for links to that. And do keep in mind that if you cannot afford CLS merch, but still want to give yourself something or gift something to someone, as long as you're not making like a profit off of it, our logos are made are made available in super high res. Go download them. You can just search on Google for the Patreon post that has them attached. Make your own merch free of charge. No big deal. We just want you to rep the brand. So we appreciate you very much. Chris, did you ever use the site GameRankings.com? You ever use that site? I think like a couple times. Yeah, it. I don't know if you saw this, but it's gone. It went away. CBS CBS Interactive, which is also the owner of Metacritic. CBS is also the owner of GameSpot and a bunch of other properties. Uh, shut down GameRankings.com after 20 years. It started in 1999, and it was really a early driving force in aggregating scores. Metacritic does it with a formula, so it's much more useful. But I just wanted to wish a RIP no, to GameRankings.com because it will go into the abyss now to be forgotten forever. PlayStation Now, Chris, is causing people some issues. Wanted to throw that up real quick. I'm not going to put it in the news because it's, I don't know, it's newsworthy, but I'm not finding too much to go on as far as what Sony's saying about it. But I don't know if you've seen this. Apparently, if you use PlayStation Now, it's causing problems with the games you own and the licenses for the games you own. Have you seen anything about this by chance? No. So apparently if you play, I don't know, 
Dead Space 3 or something like that on PlayStation Now, and then you own that game digitally. I don't even know if you can own that game digitally, but if you own that game digitally, apparently there's some sort of conflict created in the back end where it shows that you no longer own it. And it's also stripping people of like the PlayStation Plus games that they had downloaded that are that were free that are also available on the service, wow. etc. So <laughs> some issues going on there. If you guys are experiencing any issues, stay tuned. Google around. Maybe PlayStation Blog will have something to say about it. But I didn't want to ignore that. Yeah, that's kind of crazy that you can have a game unpurchased. It's I'll tell you, man, I, I feel like a bit of a douchebag because well, I feel like a bit of a douchebag for many reasons. But in this particular reason or in this particular case, I feel like a douchebag because I wasn't really that worried about the digital future in terms of licensing and losing games. And a lot of people over the years have been kind of sounding the clacks on saying, hey, man, these games aren't going to be available forever and you're going to get fucked and you're going to lose your games. And there's nothing better than owning a physical disc because you can just put it in the console. But these things keep coming up where I'm like, oh, maybe they're right. Yeah, maybe they're right about this. uh, This horror show. I mean, they probably are. But I mean, at a certain point, you're going to have discs that don't have anything on them, really. I feel like is what's going to happen. You're going to have discs that act as like kind of like a like a key. Right. Which is. Yeah. Something I think that already happened with like Hitman and. Yeah. The Walking Dead. Half of like the the, like two thirds of Spyro. Right. That's true. That's a good point, too. So you're right. But I did want to, you know, just tip my cap to the other side. I wanted to let them know that I was reading that. And hopefully that is ameliorated very soon. Now, let's get into some questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas in just a a preliminary fashion, if you don't mind, Chris. Of course. Alex Landry wrote into us and said, CNC Podcast Factory per Jedi Fallen Order. First is a correction that the game takes place between episodes three and four. Colin said between episodes two and three in last week's regular episode. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Sorry to let you down, Alex, but the the letdowns don't the letdowns continue because Ben wrote in and said you also stated that there was no blood in Star Wars until episode five. But there was actually quite a bit coming out of the severed arm of the of the Ponda Baba in the cantina in episode four. Now, you say you're a fan of the original trilogy, so this omission makes you a fucking casual. Now, I hear you. You're right. You're absolutely right. But doesn't this also create a problem for us, Chris? Because we were talking specifically about why there's no blood in Fallen Order. And we were saying, well, the lightsaber must be cauterizing everyone's wounds. But Obi-Wan Kenobi is the one that had that did the the damage to Ponda Baba. So I don't I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there that I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going on here. Fucking nerds. Bunch of fucking dorks. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to write in probably went back to bed after you wrote that didn't you <laughs> probably took Bastard. your phone and wrote that in and then just rolled over and went back to bed didn't you ben just lost consciousness i mean when he's right he's right but it still doesn't make any sense because now it, it throws into all these problems about like well why wasn't ponda baba's wound cauterized in the most Eisley cantina Ooh, yeah it's a, it's a bit of a problem isn't it doesn't really make any sense i know christian colter wrote in and said oh i'm sorry chris what did you say oh, no, i was gonna say star wars is kind of a mess anyway yeah that's true well, we all agree episode eight, I think, ruined it for a lot of us. <laughs> you know, well, maybe we're, we're going to find out now about all the people that don't agree. Yeah. That episode eight ruined it. See, I, I don't know, man. Episode eight. I don't understand how you can watch that episode and walk away. I can see how you walk away thinking that was fun or there was like interesting parts of it. But from a Star Wars fan's perspective, it kind of ruins a lot of stuff. It's it's a little weird to me how much I feel like it's like almost a part of the culture war now about if you like episode eight or not. Yeah. 
if like you're woke enough or whatever the case might be in episode nine. I'm really interested to see because they've already announced that the three core characters of whom no one gives a shit about that being what is it? Uh, Poe and Finn. And what's the what's what's Ridley's name? I don't even remember anymore. Ray. Ray. Right. It doesn't seem like anyone gives a shit about these characters and. They already announced that they're not going to be in like any other spinoffs or anything. So they've tried to make this trilogy of iconic movies that seems to have fallen flat. And so I guess I get the last laugh. Don't I, Ben? <laughs> don't I, Alex Jeez. Landry? Jeez, man. got to <laughs> calm down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Christian Coulter wrote in and said, Dear Colin, are you OK? The last episodes, your voice changed. It was calm to the point of freaking me out. I could feel no anxiety or angst in it. Blink twice if you need help. Well, I, I could be blinking and you wouldn't see it because this is a audio podcast, Christian, but I appreciate the input. And I think p- people had feedback that I was a little more soft spoken the last two episodes. I was recording it in, you know, a, a random bedroom in my mom's house. So I guess I didn't want to be rude. I don't even know if anyone was home. Maybe I'm just maybe I am just calmer when I'm not in San or in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you were you were soft, softer spoken. It was it was weirding me out. Oh, interesting. You Honestly. didn't say anything about it. You didn't give me any feedback. I thought what happened was like maybe the mic that you were recording through Zencaster with was just further away. Oh, that could be it. But I guess it wasn't. Yeah. But I guess that wasn't it. So I guess that can't be it. Whoops. Well, I guess I'll try to project a little more. One of the big problems is that I, I, I'll work on this when I get there in January, but the rooms aren't treated like like Chris's bedroom is treated or like my office is treated with a bunch of foam panels and stuff to stop the echoing and the feedback and all that kind of stuff so also being softer spoken cuts down on reverb and all that although a lot of that can be cleaned up and is cleaned up in post by dustin who otherwise doesn't do anything so we appreciate your input joshua uh, galagos wrote into us and said cookies and cream i don't like that Uh, yeah i don't like that either well because who's who yeah that's like uh, that's too much that's too much i'd like to think you're you're cookies i think why why am I cooking? I don't know. That's exactly the point. This is the problem that comes into one of the when whenever the, one of these kinds of names comes in. Yeah. It's like there's no logic to this. Well, it's not like it's kind of a Hobson's choice because you can either be cookies or you can be cream, but I don't feel like you want to really be either of them. Yeah. To be honest. And he spelled cream C R E M E, which is pretty fancy and not the right type of cream as far as I know. Maybe it is the right type of cream if you're in, in off français. He says, not necessarily a PlayStation Q, but a sacred symbols one. Will you guys be planning any fan meetups or convention panels in the future? After the PAX debacle, surely there's still interest in the community to connect with all of you in some direct format. Are there any plans other or for such a thing? Will you and Chris ever see each other in person ever again? Or will Chris simply become a ghost like Spectre that appears on your screen once a week? I don't even see him on my screen. So for all I know, I'm talking to like a robotic voice. Yeah. Like the computer like an AI or something. You know, I have this exactly. theory. That yeah. Stephen Hawking died years before he actually died. They And they had like a little weekend at Bernie's thing going on with his body. Well, I feel like it could have been pretty. It would, if, if there was anybody that could easily be weekend at Bernie's, it would it would be it would be Stephen Hawking. Probably. That's true. You know, he's got a That's speech true. to text voice. He doesn't really move a whole lot. Yeah, he doesn't really move at all. I, I never really understood. I mean, I'm sure he had very sophisticated technologies because I think he worked at like Oxford or something like that or Cambridge. But how was he even? In like he like really eloquent crazy shit would come out of that computer voice. Yeah. About like the nature of the universe and the nature of man and life and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, but you're not moving. How are you even telling it what to say? It's it's horrifying, honestly. 
Like, it's, it's, it's very <laughs> mysterious. Yeah. Anyway. It's very mysterious. Well, let's move on from Stephen Hawking before anyone gets too offended. And finally, before we get into what we're playing, Ben Rush wrote in, said, hey, CNC. Oh, by the way, we didn't even answer the other question. We were just going on and on about Stephen Hawking. Before we get into Ben Rush's question, the answer is I don't I don't know. I, I did have a plan to submit, continue to submit our panels to PAX just to see what happens. But I forgot because I think they already did PAX D uh, submissions in Boston. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see if we can sneak one by the goalie. And then from there, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, what do you be a dickhead back and like cancel? I don't know if you can do that. I think that then we would have to go. Yeah. And I don't I mean, our appearance at PAX doesn't make or break anything for them. So it's not like we I don't know. I just don't want to give them the satisfaction, but I don't think anyone really cares. Uh, the answer is, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know what we're going to do. I'm sure Chris and I will will see each other again. Chris actually has to come and pick up. He's going to take my base. Yeah. So you do have to come pick that up. So I'll see you at least one more time. But otherwise, I don't know what Chris's, you know, ethereal nature is going to be moving forward. He'll be some sort of specter from the past, perhaps. I like uh, I like being a specter. Yeah, I like that premise. It's undefined. You can be whatever you want. Ben Rush wrote into us. He said, hey, CNC, not sure if any of you guys have seen anything about this game. I am Jesus Christ. (laughs) But I thought I'd share the wonderful write up. So this is the write up for the game. And we'll talk about it. Become Jesus Christ, the famous man on Earth in this highly realistic simulation game. Pray like him for getting superpower. Perform famous miracles like him from Bible, like casting demons, healing and feeding people, resurrection and more in I am Jesus Christ. And he says the trailer is worth watching too. Serious Life of Black Tiger vibes. I did see this come through. This is a PC game for now. Yeah, it's also coming to iOS, I, I believe. Now, I don't get Black, Life of Black Tiger vibes from it personally because Life of Black Tiger is impossibly bad. And this doesn't look impossibly bad, like a game that you can't even believe exists. Yeah. Now, I can't believe this game actually exists from a, I guess, a creative standpoint. But what do you think of this I Am Jesus Christ game? Oh, I love that this is real. I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> It looks like one of those, like, you know, when you see like a fake game in like a show or like a movie and it looks like obviously just kind of like a CG render of something right. that, yeah, I get those kind of vibes where this looks like just sort of like a, a fake thing for a TV show, but it's real and it looks just so insane. Like there's somebody like, see, it's like first person and he's like looking at both of his hands nailed to the cross and it's like, what the, what is this? Like. Well, I guess he is the famous man on Earth, so. He is. It's not. Maybe the, the write-up really is bad, but he is he is indeed the famous man on Earth, and you could perform miracles like him. Now, I like the, they do go out of their way to capitalize him yeah. in the write-up, which I appreciate because we are talking about uh, the Son of God. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to see this come to PlayStation 4. <laughs> I don't know if Sony would publish it. I, I don't see why you wouldn't publish it, though. Yeah, it doesn't seem offensive. No. It just seems uh, bizarre. And there's plenty of bizarre things anyway, so. It's certainly weird. It certainly doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm actually surprised it's taken this long for us to get a Jesus game, considering how famous he is. I know. That's a good point. Yeah, we haven't had... I mean, there were those late NES games by, like, Bible Adventure or whatever. Oh, yeah, like like, LJN or something. yeah, it was they were like these unofficial. I think Wisdom Tree was the name of the Wisdom studio Tree. and and they put their games on like these light blue cartridges and stuff, but they were unofficial because back in the NES and SNES days, the Nintendo seal quality and all of that, they wouldn't let religious stuff through the gate. 
So it's not a huge surprise, I guess, that they wouldn't that those games wouldn't appear then officially. But we're much further along now. Yeah. And you would think that they would want to do something about it. But nonetheless, I am Jesus Christ. Look forward to that. I think it comes out in the coming weeks. Now, let's talk about what we're playing on actual PlayStation 4. I see here that you have been playing Fallen Order. I have, too. I don't know that we have much more to say about it. I mean, I'll throw it to you, but we're going to do the spoiler cast. So is there is there anything you want to say more widely? I feel like it's uh, I, I like it still, but it's it's I keep sort of losing steam on it as I keep going with it. I think it's just one of these kinds of things where it's like the license is just not enough for me to get over some of the problems with it. And I've noticed just like there's a lot of like weird, just basic problems. Like I feel like I hitch a lot and like I feel like there sometimes where I'll go through like I'll be in an elevator and then the screen will like freeze for five straight seconds and then it'll load the second the next part of the the level. And it's like, ah, it's it's starting to grade on me. But it's, yeah, it's still yeah. like it's st- I don't know the game that's there is good. It's just very unpolished, I guess I would say. Yeah, that's the perfect way to put it. I think it's unpolished too, and it's funny because I I experienced the hitching for really the first time on a certain planet I went to, and the I, well, I guess I don't. I, it might be a spoiler that the planet's even in the game. I don't know, but so yeah, I experienced that too, and it's nerve wracking because when that's happening, the save icon appears in the bottom right hand of the s- side of the screen. So it's like, are you about to corrupt my save in the process of? freezing the game like I, I keep waiting with bated breath like I hope the game keeps going because if it's if it stops like this then my saves probably gonna get corrupted so yeah it's it's definitely this was definitely a game that was rushed to market but I find it I find it charming yeah at the very least and it's like I said I, I don't think the combat is very you know more than very one-dimensional but uh I'm enjoying it and I guess we'll talk more about it in the in the uh, spoiler cast so we don't have to ruin it anymore for people. We can talk about the story specifically and get everyone's thoughts and all of that. I'll put out a thread uh, to collect all your thoughts, by the way, out there, audience, in the coming day or so. Otherwise, Chris, I'm playing Civilization 6. Couldn't help it. Had to download it, had to play it. <laughs> Came out to PlayStation 4 last week. It's funny because when I started playing and I'm like, oh, I don't like this interface at all. I was reading some reviews, actually, which I almost never do for games just to see what people thought. And people really liked the port. And thought the controls were really good. And I was like, ah, I don't really get how these controls work. But I eventually got it. Civilization's one of those games that I've played for hundreds of hours at this point. Yeah. On on PC where I still don't really know exactly what I'm doing in the game. Right. Yeah. That's it's, a real that sounds like a real time strategy. Yeah, it's like it's so it's so strange in how deep it is, where I'm like, I don't know how to play it any other way than to play it the way I'm playing it. And that's yeah. been the way I've always been like, as you take various turns in the game, you you invest your science points and your culture points and stuff. But you're always I mean, I'm always aiming at the stuff that's most attainable. So like you want to learn how to write before you learn how to like make aircraft or whatever the case might be. And yeah. it's easier to do that. I mean, that's just, that's an extreme example. But I, I find that I, I wish I understood the game more. I've like read so deeply about it, too, where I'm like, I it's what. We talk about EVE Online sometimes where it's just incomprehensible. I don't think Civilization is anywhere near that, but it's somewhere in that space where I'm like, there's so much going on in this game. I don't. I'm just I'm just playing, but I don't really understand the consequences for what I'm doing, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's how I feel about real time strategies in general, even the ones that I do like. Let's see here. Oh, by the way, I I noted also you, you didn't put on here and I guess it's because it's not a PlayStation game, but you've been playing Halo. 
yeah. right on. So how's that going? Yeah, so they brought it to PC, and it's uh, it's beautiful. It's great. It's it's lovely to see all these people playing it again. It feels it feels kind of weird because I played Reach when it came out, which is the one that they've just put out. I played it when I was a I think sophomore in high school, maybe a junior. So like seeing, I feel like I'm experiencing the popularity of it as an adult, as just like I did when I was like a teenager. So it's like kind of it's super weird, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I like it. It's uh, it's it's nice to say the least. All right, Chris. Well, that sounds pretty good. If you are a Halo nerd, pretty big deal that it's out on PC and t- excited to see the high player count for it. And I think good encouragement for Microsoft as well that they can become a more ubiquitous publisher of games yeah. across platforms. I hope not that so. They've not been doing this. I hope so, because it's like it's it's doing super well on Steam. Apparently, I think just on Steam, it was like one point five million for just reach, which is kind of wild. I mean, it's great. That's great. You know? Yeah, I'm super happy. Yeah, I'm happy for him, too. And we'll see how that all continues to adapt and how it affects their next Xbox and all this kind of stuff, because those high player counts indicate that people are perfectly happy to wait and play games on PC. Although I assume also there are a lot of lapsed Halo gamers in there, older gamers that don't use consoles anymore. Yeah, etc. So it's really hard to parse through those numbers for sure. But nonetheless, Halo out now. Halo Reach. Halo, whatever, whatever. (laughs) All right, Chris, let's get into the news. There's a lot of news. Now, the episode we're recording today is delayed by just you won't notice anything on free feeds, but we delayed it on Patreon by about a day. I'm actually going to publish it as soon as it's ready because it is late because we wanted to accommodate Sony's final state of play stream. Yeah, I don't know why it was on at six in the morning Pacific time. The fuck would it be on that early? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I, I don't understand when we were talking last night. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm watching that live. Yeah, I'm not no. going to do that. So I was a little confused about that. But nonetheless, there was some interesting news in there. But we are actually going to get into a piece of news that's way more substantial than anything in the state of play. And then we'll get into the state of play news because I just I have to put this one first because it is a huge deal. Yeah. And an unusual situation. So let's get right into this piece of news and then we'll go from there. Number one, the Sony San Diego developed annual baseball series MLB The Show will be coming to other platforms, including Xbox and Nintendo, beginning in 2021. News comes by way of a press release launched collaboratively between the MLB or Major League Baseball, its Players Association and Sony Interactive Entertainment, the longtime publisher of the series. Sony's license to create these games was to end in 2020, and this extension has been described as multi-year, in quotes. This will keep the popular The Show franchise at Sony San Diego and published by Sony, but in leaving the realm of exclusivity, The Show will be the first first first-party game of consequence to be ported to other platforms. For Sony, this is an incredibly unusual move, but it doesn't necessarily indicate that things are changing internally. The Show is a sales blockbuster year in and year out, and it's entirely possible MLB and other forces gave Sony an ultimatum, bring the game to other platforms or find the license given out more freely. Everyone wins in this situation, however. Sony continues to publish the game. One of its studios continues to get years worth of work, and it will gain publishing fees for every copy sold on other platforms. While it's probably not what Sony wanted, it's probably what they had to do. MLB The Show began on PS2 and PSP in 2006, but the exclusive MLB franchise on PlayStation, once called only MLB, goes back to 1997 on PS1. Jeff Yeager wrote into us and said, Chocobu Colin and Cthulhu Chris 
longtime listener, first time writing in through Patreon. Thank you. Appreciate you. With the news today about MLB The Show coming to other platforms, I wonder if you think Sony might be making a similar strategic move as Microsoft in distributing its first-party games across multiple markets in an attempt to widen its money or software at the expense of hardware. Or do you think this might be an exception in that MLB wants to distribute a quality title as widely as possible, since Xbox and Nintendo have only gotten B-minus B tier baseball games? Uh, thanks for all that you do. Chris, what were your thoughts when you first saw this because this kind of was just shit out by the MLB PR Twitter account. Yeah. So people so I, I didn't see it until people started tweeting it at me. But this is a surprising now this is a surprising piece of news, but I have a lot of caveats in it. Before I even get to that though, what do you think? I mean I think it's interesting. I don't think it's necessarily surprising because MLB is so much bigger than the games. Like it it would strike me as reasonable that eventually like these kinds of games would find their way to other platforms. It was more weird that they were exclusive in the first place to me. So this it's not necessarily surprising, but it is cool that there is a Sony first party game that is, even if not necessarily at the behest of Sony, uh, coming to other platforms. That's cool. I think we're living in a very weird kind of multi, multi-platform future, and I think that's honestly just going to keep happening. To, I think, well, this is complicated because I think that there are multiple caveats that can suggest multiple things about this deal, right? So first of all, Sony didn't say it. They're not going to say it. They had MLB and the MLBPA say it. And it came out the day before State of Play. So clearly, Sony wanted this thing or this news at least buried in some sense. They released it at night. They have State of Play the next day in which they were going to talk about all the things they revealed. Not too many crazy things, but enough that it's not part of the big news cycle, which is why I wanted it to be number one in our show and why I'm going to name the show around this piece of news as opposed to state of play, because it signals if you're an, if you're an uninformed consumer, I don't even want to say that if you're a casual PlayStation gamer and you see this and you're like, well, why are you doing this and why are you weakening your own platform with an exclusive that I know a lot of people don't play, but people have to understand that this game sells really well. We talk about it in the spring and summer on NPD every year. It's up there yeah. with it's also up there in esteem with quality when you talk about FIFA and you talk about ML, NBA 2K, especially the show is considered one of those high pantheon, high tier sports games. And I agree with you. It was always interesting to me that it was exclusive, but it was exclusive because Sony could make it that way. They got the license. Yeah, they've had the license for all this time. Sony San Diego started developing this, the game in 2006. Before that, it was like in like this other Sony kind of this defunct Sony first party collaborative studio. And with PSP and all this kind of stuff. It was interesting. And and by the way, Sony San Diego created an exclusive NBA game. Uh, people might recall for a little while on PS2, PS3 and PSP. So Sony was trying to keep it on their platform. But what's interesting about MLB that people have to understand is different than the NFL in that the NFL license with EA is exclusive. That's it. The NFL has an exclusive deal and they make exclusive deals with everyone. They have exclusive, all sorts of exclusive deals, exclusive yeah. streaming rights with direct TV and all that kind of stuff. With the MLB, other people can have the license, as far as I can tell, because there were baseball games on Xbox 360 from 2K specifically. And then at some point, MLB brought internal their B-tier baseball game development. We talked about it just a few weeks ago with RBI Baseball. That's made internally by an MLB-owned studio, and MLB publishes that. And then they have like these other management sims and stuff. But this is the only licensed AAA baseball game. And so what I assume happened, and again, this is all conjecture. I don't know, but I think you can read between the lines. 
MLB and Sony, MLB probably went to Sony and said, it's time to renew the license. We are not locking this game to this console anymore. So you can continue to develop it and publish it, but you need to bring it to all the other platforms. And I assume that's what happened. And Sony was like, well, we either have the opportunity to lose this license completely, which will fuck Sony San Diego, who only makes these games. And we lose all the licensing fees and, and we sell millions of copies every year. Are we really going to lose by having to bring it to Xbox One and have a Sony splash screen when you turn the game on? Are we really going to lose by bringing it to Switch and having a Sony splash screen when the game turns on? And I assume that they went back and they talked about it and they said, hey, we have no choice but to do this. And it might not work out too poorly for us. We don't own the MLB license. We own the show IP. And that's the big difference. And that's why I think that this might not be a big deal. Yeah. As big of a deal as people think it is. No, it certainly anyway. isn't. I don't think, uh, I mean, if I was in charge of Sony in any capacity and they came to me and said, hey, we, and they caved me this ultimatum, I'd be like, yeah, sure, all right. Because you're just, you're just making money at that point. You're just going to, oh, okay, I guess we'll just make more money. Whoops. Right. Nobody's lining up on launch day for the PlayStation 4 for the show, I don't think. I think people buy the show because they have PlayStations. I don't necessarily think it's like a system seller. No, I, I don't think it is either. I think that there's probably a small contingent of PlayStation owners that became PlayStation owners because their favorite sport is represented best on the console. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I agree yeah. with you. I don't think I don't think this is a strong contingent of people. I think that it's if anything, this is going to make MLB the show dominate in a way that NBA 2K probably or probably dominate like NBA 2K does yeah. simply by being more ubiquitous. And I understand how this stings. If you're like a really partisan fanboy or whatever, this is a stinging moment for you because this is the first time a first party studio. And we're not again, we're, we're differentiating between first and second party studios. These are different things. It's the first time a first party studio AAA game has been brought off of PlayStation as far as I know ever. And I'd really have to go back. I mean, I'm th I've been thinking about it for a day. I can't think of anything. You know, yeah. In, in first party. When Sony owned the studio, obviously studios like Sucker Punch and Naughty Dog and Insomniac made games for other platforms before they were owned. But the caveats aside, I think that this is a smart move, but I think this was the only move because here's the other side of it. If, my, if I'm right, right? And Sony says, no, we're not doing that. MLB says, fine, we're giving the license to EA or 2K or whoever, and you lose. And you can have the game as a third-party game on your console, but what does that do to Sony San Diego? Yeah. What does that do to the revenue that they rely upon from that game? So I think they had a gun held to their head. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like a bad gun. No, at it's all. like a pop gun. It's yeah, like exactly. It's like one of those like party things where you blow in it and it uh, unfurls or whatever the hell. What are, the, what are those yeah, called? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what I was picturing in my head. See, we have a... Even though you are a specter, we are <laughs> mentally synthesized. And so, yeah, we'll see what happens. See, because I, I think people are looking at this through the lens of like, well, Death Stranding's going to PC and there's these rumors that Horizon's going to go to PC. First of all, that Horizon rumor is unfounded. Maybe that's going to happen, but I don't see why that would happen. And we can cross that bridge if and when we come to it. But Death Stranding, people have to remember, Death Stranding is its own thing again, because this is a second party game. And I wouldn't be surprised if when Sony and Kojima made that deal very quickly in 2015, as you might recall, very quickly, that they were like, Kojima was like, we want the game on PC. And they were probably like, fine, whatever, just sign the paperwork. And then we'll worry about that later. 
Yeah. And so you can't look. And, and obviously the Quantic Dream trilogy has come to PC. Journey has come to PC and Flower, I think. But again, these are all second party games. So this is a pretty historic thing. And we'll keep a close eye on if this happens to others. Because again, this isn't like the game's coming to PC. It's coming to the other consoles. And they talked about it very vaguely. Sony's so fucking petty that you know that they wouldn't let the MLB use Xbox or Nintendo. So they have to say like other platforms. Yeah. But Phil Spencer immediately tweeted out about it. I think Nintendo acknowledged it. So they basically just told everyone what they already knew internally. What did he say? Like no more away games, I think was. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, that's what Phil Spencer said. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I, I think it's good news because it gives people on other platforms a little taste of what Sony can do in the first party. And yeah. that's not a bad thing. And, and I, I think this is much better than saying uh, we're losing Spider-Man or we're losing. God and, and by the way, Spider-Man, it was a second party game. So I guess it would be kind of similar. They're first party in studio now. But nonetheless, we don't want to get in the weeds. Congratulations to Sony San Diego. They're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, let's get into all the state of play stuff now, Chris, that has uh, been released. The stream was about 25 minutes long, maybe a little less than that. Yeah, it was about 20 minutes. And... Yeah, there was some interesting stuff in there, including this. Number two, Media Molecules Long in Development Creation Tools slash Game Dreams is finally releasing on PlayStation 4 in its finalized form. And it will be doing so on the release date previously leaked, which we discussed on the show some weeks ago, February 14th, 2020, which is Valentine's Day. Dreams has been in development for an astounding eight years or so, and it was one of the very first games ever shown off for PS4 back at the PlayStation 4 reveal event in New York City in early 2013. In April, earlier in 2019, the game entered so-called so-called early access, which you had to pay $29.99 for. We did that. And we have a Let's Play up for it. If you were in the early access period, your version of the game will be updated for free. Others will have to pay to get in. Chris, what do you make of this? Because I was really intrigued by this trailer that they put out in which I felt that it looked so schizophrenic that it it really reaffirms what I think about this game, which is go, it's going to bomb. Well, this, this game is going to bomb. I don't know. I, I think it looks the showcase of it is look at what you can make in this. And some of it looked really cool. And then some of it looked exactly like some of the janky stuff that we played in our video on it. I think I think this is one of those niche games that they're just kind of sending off into the wilderness and just hoping to God it finds some footing. I don't have much confidence in dreams as a PlayStation game. I think this is a PC game that is bafflingly on PlayStation. I I just don't I just don't see the I don't, I, I don't know I could be wrong and maybe I'm just like a bit a bit um what's the pessimistic about it 
But this feels like it's just on the wrong platform, like entirely. Chris is baffled, everyone. Another baffle. Now, I agree with you. I, I wonder if this game will come to PC. I feel like it has to come well, to PC. Well, they said it would, I, right? Didn't they say I, it? I, th- I thought they did. But then in the trailer, there was two interesting things about the trailer, which was they didn't put an SIE logo in the front of it. Which I thought was weird because they do that with literally everything that they publish. Yeah. And there was no Media Molecule logo in it. There was a Media Molecule logo when they did the little slider as like the presentational thing when that woman's speaking and talked about them. But that was one thing that I noticed that was interesting. It doesn't it seems like Sony is unbranding itself from this game in some way. Maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but I'm a student of Sony and a student of PlayStation. And I thought that was interesting. And yeah, I think they did talk about bringing it to PC. But then there see what I was hoping was that there would be more confirmation on that. And see, that's when you can start thinking that Sony's really changing, because this is another first-party game that they own the IP to and stuff. But I don't know, man. I, I I hope I'm wrong. I hope this game sells millions of copies and finds its footing. But remember, we had a little bit of a canary in the coal mine with early access, because they were foolish enough in their early access write-up to say that there would be a limited number of slots to purchase, so you have to purchase them now. And they never filled those slots up. The game was available and, and continually available until I think the 9th or something like that, or the 3rd of December. So they never sold out of their early access period. And they should have never said that in the beginning because I'm just going to grasp onto that as, as it telling me that the game didn't do as well as they thought it was going to do, even in early access, even to the people that were most interested in it. And I don't know if you saw this video that was making the rounds. I think Media Molecule might have tweeted it out themselves, but of that guy playing pool... I think it was pool. It was like it was like a TV, a horizontal TV where they were using, I think, a PlayStation Move controller or something. I have to go back and look at it to play this game they made. And I'm like, who the fuck is going to do this? I mean, this is cool, but who's going to do this? Yeah. Who's going to put their TV? You're going to take your TV down and put it horizontal. I mean, I understand that they're trying to make cool stuff, but that's what it is. It's not a game. And I think they made a really critical error with this. And we'll see how it all plays out but i hope that i hope that media molecule survives this and is able to give us a game at some point in the future yeah that would be nice but uh nonetheless you know wish them the best i don't don't mean to be so negative about dreams i just don't understand what they're doing i don't get it i don't understand it at all and (laughs) did you see like in the trailer they had like somebody who made wipeout yeah, I did like, see that. Yeah, it I, I was cool. Yeah, it, it was cool. I was like, ah, oh, that looks exactly like Wipeout. <laughs> but, but yeah, too bad you could have just kept Sony Liverpool alive and made Wipeout. Yeah. That money probably would have been better invested, frankly, making Wipeout than making Dreams. Uh, but RIP Studio Liverpool, it has been a long time indeed. I think they closed like seven years ago now. It's crazy. So sad. Number three. Resident Evil 3 leaked a week or two ago, so this news isn't as exciting as it probably would be otherwise. But nonetheless, Resident Evil 3 Remake is real, and it's coming to PS4 a hell of a lot sooner than anyone thought possible. It'll launch on April 3rd of 2020, barely a year after Resident Evil 2 Remake came out. Resident Evil 3 Remake as well, a remake of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, which launched on PS1 all the way back in the fall of 1999. It was later ported to PC, Dreamcast, and GameCube, but has never been remade until now. 
Interestingly, the game was positioned in the state of play stream as being the single player component of Project Resistance, the earlier announced multiplayer centric Resident Evil game. Essentially, the conjecture was true. These two projects, Resistance and Resident Evil 3 Remake, are two sides of the same coin, giving RE3 Remake more staying power than RE2 Remake, which was merely which merely toted single player functionality. Yeah, so we were totally uh, we were totally wrong when we talked about this yeah. last time. Absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. What do you think about this announcement? This is cool. I, I like this a lot. I was already kind of like pumped for Resident Evil 3 Remake just because 2 was so good. But the idea of packaging it with this kind of optional multiplayer thing is actually really, really compelling. Like, I, I really like that. I, it's funny because I, I thought that would have been a good idea, but I just thought like Capcom wouldn't do it. Like, because it just seems to... I don't know. It's getting to the, this point now where in the games industry, if something seems too reasonable, that it's probably unlikely <laughs> where it's like, right. oh, that would be a good idea, but which means they're not going to do it. But they did it. So I'm I'm pumped about this. This is cool. Yeah, I was surprised by this because that was the rumor, right? That like Project Resistance and Resident Evil 3 are somehow connected. And I'm like, well, I don't think so. It, it seemed to me that Resident Evil Project, I thought Project Resistance was trying to buy them time. Yeah, no, exactly. Until, yeah. So with Resi- with Resident Evil 3, I couldn't believe that it w- it's going to be ready so soon. And and so the other rumor that's making the rounds now is really compelling that these two games, Resident Evil 2 Remake and Resident Evil 3 Re- Remake, might have been meant to be part of the same package because one is available so quick, like so much quicker than it probably should be, indicating that it was deep into development by the time Resident Evil 2 Remake came out and they might have split them up at some time in development to have them already a year apart. But... Capcom is, I've said this already, I don't want to be redundant, Capcom's in a renaissance, and it's its really exciting that Nemesis is coming out, because I actually think that when you think about the original Resident Evil, and you think about 4, and you think about 7, 3 is kind of one of the ones that's lost in the mix a little bit, as not being one of the most beloved Resident Evil games, and so I think giving people another chance, I haven't played it in almost 20 years, probably, I think I last, I bought it on GameCube, so I probably played it in 2002, or 2003, around the time Resident Evil 0 came out. Yeah. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But I'm really intrigued by by the quickness that we're getting it by Resistance's inclusion in the game. And I liked how they positioned it, like we discussed in the trailer, saying like uh, Project Resistance's single player campaign. (laughs) Like they made it seem like it, you know, it would have been so much cooler if this, this didn't leak. Because yeah, no, the way they positioned it in the trailer would have been really neat, you know? Yeah, but, that is a real shame. But it leaked. I mean, it's their fault it leaked because as far as I know, it wasn't. A, uh, this is one of those ones where I don't think it was a retailer leak. I think this leak came from Sony itself. I think this was published. The imagery was published on on PSN in some territory. So they fucked it up themselves, which is not incredibly common, actually. It's usually Amazon's fault or something like shop to the British retailer is the one who leaked. Dreams's release date. That's how we knew. Yeah, that was coming. Number four, at State of Play, Square Enix showed off its kinetic new action RPG called Babylon's Fall, which it's publishing on behalf of Japanese studio Platinum Games. The team behind Bayonetta, a bunch of Star Fox games, the Square Enix published Nier Automata, and much more. We're going to learn more about it this summer. Likewise, Sony also showed off the second-party Ilphonic-developed game Predator Hunting Grounds again, this time with a release date. The asymmetric game is set to launch on PS4 on April 24th, 2020. Both Babylon's Fall and Predator Hunting Grounds appear to be PS4 console exclusives, but will also come to PC either at the same time or shortly thereafter. It is worth noting that uh, Predator is Sony published, so that is a big difference 
so Babylon's Fall could conceivably come to console in a much easier fashion. But as far as I can tell, it's only PS4 and PC right now. Do you have anything to say about these games? I thought Babylon's Fall looked pretty cool. It yeah. looks like Bayonetta, kind of, with, you know, in a medieval setting. Yeah, it looks like a platinum game, and those are typically pretty fun <laughs> all the time. So I, I, Predator Hunting Grounds, though, looks a bit double A from what I've been seeing from it. Like, I, I don't know if maybe they're capturing the footage like way wrong, but it looks I don't know. It looks really early PS4 to me. Yeah, it doesn't look great. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. Which sucks because like I like I love the premise of I, I love asymmetrical multiplayer in general. That's always a lot of fun. But uh, I mean, if Resistance is doing that, and then this game's coming out, and it looks kind of eh, I, I don't know. Maybe we just haven't seen enough of it. Yeah, it's coming out. It's actually coming out after Resistance, which is Project Resistance, which is a shame for them because they're going to be compared to it. You know, assuming Project Resistance is is good, uh, and we don't know if it is, but yeah, it seems like I know Sony was really keen on getting second party to fill in some of these gaps that they felt like they had. I I don't know that the asymmetric multiplayer gap was one of them, unless you're doing something tied to a more beloved Sony franchise. We talk about SOCOM all the time. We'll talk about that in a little while, but... And, and SOCOM's not asymmetric, of course. It's squad-based. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, well, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it does. I think Babylon's Fall looks great. It's very early. Might not even be a PlayStation 4 game only. It might be a PlayStation 5 game. We'll find out this summer. I assume they mean E3. As far as, yeah, Hunting Grounds, we're going to find out soon enough. Ilphonic is making it on behalf of Sony. And I guess it's got to be... They got to have to get this thing on PC at the same time. And I assume they are to just buff out the player base. Yeah. And and make sure that it, it retains its player base that other asymmetric games of of might like evolve were not able to retain long term. So we'll see how it all goes. The space is becoming very crowded, though. Yeah. Number five. There were a few other interesting announcements and points of interest scattered throughout the stream. The beloved Untitled Goose Game is coming to PS4, which we already knew because its trophies leaked onto servers last week. It'll launch on December 17th. The multiplayer-centric studio Proletariat is launching its Battle Royale RPG Spellbreak on PS4 at some point in 2020 with a closed beta for the platform before it comes out. You talk about crowded. Battle Royale's yeah. getting... Uh, getting yeah. uh, come on. Yeah, I don't under... There's, I mean, there's so... <laughs> there's so many multiplayer games now. The first-person puzzle game, Super Liminal by developer Pillow Castle, which is already on PC, is coming to PS4 in 2020. French studio Pixel Reef is bringing its strange experience Paper Beast to PSVR in 2020. It had already leaked, but now we have confirmation that Kingdom Hearts 3 3's Remind DLC is coming to PS4 as a limited exclusive on January 23rd, early in 2020, and will cost $29.99. Those are basically all of the announcements otherwise yeah. that came from State of Play. So what did you make of State of Play as a whole? I thought it was fine. Yeah, I feel like this was more interesting to me than previous ones, but only because I'm so interested in Resident Evil. And also, I feel like that Goose game opening was pretty nice. <laughs> it's a pretty nice way to open it. That game looks pretty cool, I should say. Did you get to play it yeah. on PC or anything? Yeah, yeah. I have it on uh I have it on Switch. And it's oh, uh, Switch, right. it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable little romp. It looks cute. Yeah. I'm excited to play it. So yeah, that's coming imminently. We can enjoy all of that. Yeah, spell break. I don't know, it doesn't look very good to me, but maybe people that are into that will disagree. I just don't understand why you'd even broach that genre at all it just seems like <laughs> yeah. we talked about this actually or i talked about it on sacred symbols plus last week because someone brought up housemark 
and how they're making that game Storm Divers or whatever, which is potentially going to ruin them. And I don't know why studios so confidently go into the space thinking that they're going to be able to compete unless there's something I'm missing. But I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> All right, let's get into the other news. There's actually quite a bit of other news that has nothing to do with MLB, the show, or the state of play. This is a big one. This would have otherwise been a big piece of news at the top of the show. Number six, it appears the long-running rumors have been true. A new Bioshock game is in development under the 2K Games banner and is being developed by a new internal studio at the publisher called Cloud Chamber, which is working out of Northern California with a satellite in Quebec. The full name of the game, as well as literally any other details about it, are currently unknown with 2K owner Take-Two Interactive noting that it will, quote, be in development for the next several years, end quote. The studio will be helmed by Kelly Gilmore, the first female head of studio in 2K history. Gilmore worked for 2K-owned Firaxis, the guys behind Civilization, for nearly 20 years, in roles spanning from production to marketing. The press release confirms that it will be a first-person shooter, not a huge surprise, and we can assume that it will be a next-gen game based on its far-off timeline. The last Bioshock game, Bioshock Infinite, came to PlayStation 3 and elsewhere in 2013. The original Bioshock, a beloved game widely considered one of the best story-driven experiences in industry history, launched on Xbox 360 and PC in 2007 and on PlayStation 3 in 2008. All three Bioshock games, including 2010's Bioshock 2, came to PlayStation 4 in a compilation back in 2016. Now, Chris and I are both massive Bioshock fans, so I'm really intrigued to hear what, what you have to say about this. What do you think? I I don't know how I feel about this because I love I loved the original BioShocks but I also don't know if I really want another one if that makes sense. I do, I I don't think I I don't know if a new one can really come close to even broaching the same territory of j- just how good that original run of BioShock games are. Like I don't know. I I feel like I feel like without Ken there, I feel like that's the main thing that I would be concerned about because I didn't even really before I even knew anything about who was making what or before I was paying attention to anything in the industry. Like even I back in the day didn't really jive that much with Bioshock Two, but I jived super well with Infinite Infinite and uh, the original Bioshock. So this this new one, I don't know. Like I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I, I I want it to be good. I'm looking forward to seeing a new Bioshock game. But I think in the back of my mind, I'm I'm gonna be thinking like, okay, well this is kind of like maybe maybe this won't count if it's bad. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, Chris. And I think that there is some skepticism. First of all, we knew Ken Levine, as you said, was not gonna be involved in this. He's making his own game in Boston with a small studio that's kind of the remnants of irrational and uh, it is a little nerve-wracking i feel like they might have missed their window a little bit with the bioshock ip it, 2013 was the last one it would probably be about 10 years you assume or so between games by the time this comes out yeah so that's a little concerning but i don't know see without ken levine and without rapture or columbia i don't know what bioshock really is And I actually am intrigued to see what it means to someone else, I guess, because these are games that are all about their environments more than their characters, especially the original Bioshock. Yeah. To the point where Bioshock 2 was back in Rapture again. I mean, how are you going to make a what is it going to be like? What's the world going to be? I assume there's only a few things it can be like a space colony or something like that would be one. 
it would be interesting to go back to Rapture, I guess, but that would be a little like unnecessary, especially because the Infinite DLC brought us back to Rapture again. I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to work out. I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I hope it's good. I don't I don't like, you know, it, it would be nice to have another good Bioshock game, but I'm just uh, pretty skeptical. Yeah, I understand your skeptical. I, I think I'm so fanboyish about Bioshock to some extent that I'm going to be automatically intrigued. But it does it does beg the question, like you didn't decide to do anything with this immediately. It is also worth noting, and I know Jason Schreier at Kotaku has reported on this, and I, I've heard this too. I mean, this Bioshock game has been in development for a while. So I don't know if they are, are they like resetting development? Are they like just finalizing the studio's name? Where are we with that? Because <laughs> Bioshock 4 was supposed to be in development for a little while up in Novato, which is above San Francisco, which is where the studio is. It's also where Hangar 13 is, the guys that did Mafia. So, or Mafia 3, I should say. So I think we're going to find out in the coming years. It's going to be a few years away. It does make me a little interested why they made this announcement unless they're trying to openly hire for the game. I think that's what, it, I think that's what yeah. it was. They were trying to hire for it. It would have definitely been far cooler to just have that information dropped when it was ready. You know, I feel like they kind of maybe shot, shot themselves in the foot with the excitement of a new Bioshock announcement because this is kind of underwhelming for a game with such a pedigree. Right, right. I am interested to see like where this Kelly Gilmore woman takes it to. Fear Axis is a very different studio making very different games than Bioshock. They make amazing games. So she has that pedigree, but I'll be interested to see how it all turns out and who they hire and who goes on the team. I think we'll find out more about this, but I always assumed with the Bioshock collection being ported to PS4 and Xbox One in in 2016, that was, I thought, when the game was kind of being incubated. So maybe it'll be sooner. Maybe it'll be ready sooner, but I I doubt it. I'm going to say 2022 at the earliest. Yeah. At this point. We'll see. I think it's a safe one. I would say 2021 at the earliest. I also have to say that I'm not crazy about the name or the logo. Oh, Cloud Chamber or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's what the fuck is a cloud chamber? I guess that's maybe that is something like some meteoro- meteorological thing or something, but not crazy about it. Could have done better than that. Could have done a lot better than that. Number seven, we've been conjecturing for months about Control, the third person action shooter from Remedy Games and publisher 505, the dev's first project published to PlayStation after a decade and a half working on Xbox ecosystem games like Alan Wake and Quantum Break. In short, Control and Control didn't seem to sell very well. In fact, it definitely didn't failing to chart in the top 20 on American Sales Tracker NPD even once. In comparison, niche Bandai Namco games Code Vein and Man of Badan both charted on NPD for multiple months. But in a conversation with website Games Industry International, the studio claims that it's pleased with Control's performance and explained why. Games director Mikhail Kasserenin said in part, quote, We're extremely proud of Control not just from the perspective of quality and creativity, but also on how we change the culture of production and development. We haven't done a game as fast since Max Payne 2, end quote. Max Payne 2 came out in 2003 on PlayStation 2 and elsewhere. The studio CEO later said, quote, Control was developed in three years with a budget of less than 30 million euro. We didn't quite require the same huge lifetime numbers as many other games with bigger development budgets. Therefore, even though Control didn't have chart-topping sales right from the get-go, we are in a good position with steady sales. We always take the long view here. Nowadays, the majority of game sales for many gamers are generated over a long period of time in digital stores and control continues to sell, which is good. 
We are bringing more free and paid content to the game. It has provided high quality and uniqueness and word of mouth that keeps growing. There is still a big audience out there that hasn't yet heard of Control. These are all factors that support longer term sales. End quote. I feel like they had to say this at some point, even if it's not necessarily true, because the game's absence from sales charts is notable. Yeah. But we we liked it. I mean, we li- I liked Control. I thought yeah. it was really good. I liked it quite a bit. It does seem like one of those games that does kind of sell smaller and for longer. It does seem like one of those kind of like, oh, I'll pick that up eventually kind of deals. Uh, so I could see that being a thing. I, I don't know if it, I don't know if this is really necessary to say, though. Uh, like, who is this for? Like, surely their investors already have this information or like anything that they would need to say is surely already said. So, like, I, I just don't get what what this is for. It's not really damage control either, because nobody really cares about this. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess we could have assumed that the game was being made for a small on a small budget because 505 was the publisher. Yeah. So. And no offense to 505, they're kind of coming up a little bit, but they don't they're not going to make a hundred million dollar game. So we always assumed control was going to be lower. In, and I don't, I don't think it shows it's 30 million euro quality. I think it shows a pretty high quality. And like they said, they made it in a really tight window of three years. So it's, it's it was QA'd properly. The game runs well. It's a little short, a little kind of contained when you think about it. But nonetheless, I, I, I agree with you. I don't know exactly who they're talking to. I know that they gave this interview to Games Industry International, which is really for games industry types. But that stuff always migrates to enthusiast media and to podcasts like us. And you're right. I think that this game to me feels a lot like Spec Ops The Line, which was made by Jaeger and published by 2K. Yeah. Where that game never sold well, but it's I think I think the Spec Ops The Line is a way better game than Control. But where that game 2K has said over time, that game just is like a flat line on their sales charts of like it just sells a steady amount every month still to this day. And actually, I think it was uh, Walt Williams, the writer of the game, might have told me that years ago when I was interviewing him. And how that, you know, when you really look at the financials, these games kind of pay off on the back end. And maybe that will happen for Control and for Remedy. But since Remedy is working on Crossfire and all this other stuff, it seems like they're going to move out of this space. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get a Control sequel. I don't think there's any demand for that. But I think it's cool that they're still going to release paid content and free content for the game and keep it going. And maybe they'll have an update in the future on how it's sold. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I got to say, man, I mean, it was notable because nothing really came out around that time. And I didn't mean I don't mean to insult Code Vein or Man of Madon. It's just that those are really niche games. Those both charted more than once on NPD. So Control really did maybe bomb commercially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Man of Madon I could see because like there's a heavy. Until Dawn was very content driven. Like there was a lot of content of people like making videos about uh, about uh, Until Dawn and streaming Until Dawn. It seems like a very streamable kind of uh, content-rich game. So there's like a lot of free advertising in that alone. So I can That's see that true. helping it quite a bit, those kinds of games. I don't know about Code Vein, though. But yeah, no, you, I think you're right. Well, we wish them the best nonetheless. Seems like they can't really catch a break over there. A yeah. quantum break, as it were. Number eight. Sony has officially confirmed that a successor to PlayStation Vita, a third PlayStation handheld, will not be coming down the pike, at least not anytime soon. 
Game Informer recently ran an extensive piece surrounding PlayStation's 25th anniversary, and tucked in there was a quote from Jim Ryan, the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, the corporate uh, vertical behind PlayStation. Here's what he said about it in full. Quote, PlayStation Vita was brilliant in many ways, and the actual gaming experience was great, but clearly it's a business that we're no longer in now, end quote. It is, it is the one and only mention of Vita in the entire Game Informer piece. I actually control F'd like a bunch of different <laughs> words to see like where they were. And that was literally the only time Vita was ever mentioned uh, at all. PlayStation joined the handheld space when it launched PlayStation Portable or a PSP back in 2004. It came to the West in 2005 and globally it was a huge success selling more than 80 million units. Its successor, Vita, however, launched in Japan in 2011 and in the US in 2012, sold much more softly. And while Sony has never discussed its total sales units, it's suspected to be somewhere between 15 and 20 million sold. Vita was discontinued in all regions earlier this year. Our game is coming to Vita. We'll have more on that uh, soon. But nonetheless, I said, you know, I was thinking about this, Chris, because we're in December of 2019. Yeah. And December of 2011. So eight years ago is when Vita came out. We are further away from Vita's launch than we were from PSP's launch when Vita launched. It's kind of crazy to think about. Oh, yeah. Weird. I don't like Isn't that. Isn't that weird? So like we've been real. This thing, I really think. And this is such a Vita fanboy thing to say, but I really think they're making a mistake by seeding this ground because their competitor is doing such great things in this space that you would think that they would want to fight them a little bit on it. And I think it's so lame that they're not going to do anything in this space. Although I do understand that with streaming and mobile devices and your ability, like you were playing Halo on your iPad with a PS4 controller. Dude, I it think. was in, yeah, yeah. I was playing, <laughs> I was playing Halo through steam stream through an iPad on, on a, with a PS4 controller and it worked perfectly fine, which is insane. It's awesome. So I mean, I, I understand that that's the reason why they're ultimately moving away from this, but I'll always love my dedicated handhelds and they, they, they've played a really big role in my gaming life. Yeah. Since I was a kid, since I was seven, when I got a Game Boy or whatever, you know? So. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I think specifically the Game Boy Advanced SP and the PSP were like the two ones that I really, really adored. But like, I think anything else, like, I don't know, like I, I like the Nintendo DS because it was like, the first time I got to play Mario 64 properly. But like besides those three, I feel like I feel like there's a best version of everything. And I feel like the best version of the Game Boy already happened. The best version of a PlayStation Portable already happened. And the best version of a DS already happened. You know, these I don't know. These things sort of like reach a bar of quality and then they just sort of even if they improve in some ways later down the line, they never seem to have the the right content to really springboard it forward. Well, I think that that's the big problem. I think you nailed it because Sony was so hesitant to support Vita in a really meaningful way when they saw that the sales were low, that they abandoned it to its fate without really seeing what they could have done internally. Now, we got great internal games like Killzone and we got Freedom Wars and these other games that are awesome, but they were few and far between and and they might have looked at it and said, like, listen, we have 15 studios or whatever, 14 studios, and we really need them to focus on PS5 and PS4 games. We don't need to split our focus and have Media Molecule make this random ass game and Studio Cambridge that doesn't even exist anymore make this random ass game and Big Big, which doesn't exist anymore. Zipper doesn't exist anymore. Vita actually killed a bunch of studios. Yeah, actually, if you I, I mean, you don't want to blame it on Vita specifically, but the last game from Zipper, from Liverpool, from Big Big, 
from Cambridge. Actually, not Cambridge because they made rigs on PSVR. But three studios were outright killed by their Vita game. So uh, with Unit 13, uh, Little Deviance, and Killzone, uh, respectively. So kind of sad from that perspective. So they might look at it and be like, hey, Nintendo can have it both ways because they have this hybrid console that's both handheld and allowed to be plugged in. But I did mention, I don't know if you saw it on, on Twitter the other day, I'm really intrigued with the rumored specs of these new consoles, which apparently are mega powerful and will probably be, probably be pretty expensive. I don't know where this leaves Switch in terms of it's getting third-party games because nothing even runs on the on the console from PS4. So what are they going to do, or properly anyway? I think Alien Isolation was like the first game I had heard of in a long time that actually ran well on Switch that was native to PS4. So there, the opposite problem is happening too to the other console manufacturer. It's just a matter of whether it matters or not to them. Yeah. And I don't know that it does. No. RIP Vita. Yeah, I think people are just impressed to be playing Witcher 3 at all on a handheld and they don't care. It's like, oh, who cares if it's 10 frames a second? Yeah, they're just they're just amped up. And you can't figure out whether or not that's a person or a tree. You and know? it really doesn't matter in the world of Witcher where a person can be a tree, in fact. And a tree might be a person. Uh, who knows? As far as I understand. I don't know what that means. But Chris, nonetheless, I, I feel like... And I, I tweet, so many people were angry about this when I tweeted. I'm like, first of all, there's no value judgment here. I'm just making a point. I don't I don't think that you're going to be able to port PS5 games to Switch. I don't see how that's going to happen. And everyone's like, well, games are scalable now and it's easier and they can do. I'm like, if that were true, then why does Doom? Why is Doom terrible on Switch? <laughs> like what? It's just going to get it's going to get worse and worse. And that's going to be a problem for Switch, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I know people, I know, I know, I get it. You buy it for Zelda and you buy it for Pokemon and you buy it for Mario. I'm, it happens that all three of those games are already out. So just uh, slow your roll a little bit. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Number nine, recently on Sacred Symbols, we discussed the recent strangeness 
surrounding Valve-owned studio Campo Santo, including the fact that its upcoming game in the Valley of the Gods, which was supposed to come to PS4, has been completely scrubbed from its website and that much, if not all, of the staff there actually moved over to the upcoming VR Half-Life game, Half-Life Alex. Thanks to website Polygon, we now have confirmation that In the Valley of Gods is likely canceled and that Campo Santo is indeed working on Half-Life in its stead. A statement provided to the site from the studio's co-founder Jake Rodkin reads, quote, To fans looking forward to In the Valley of Gods, it's probably clear that the optimistic 2019 at the end of the announcement trailer isn't going to be accurate. In the end, Valve time makes fools of all of us. But yes, developers from the former Campo Santo team have joined other projects at Valve, including Half-Life Alex. As you can imagine, our experience in the first-person adventure genre is pretty relevant. You hear a lot about how a Valve game can work on what you want. It turns out that's true, and there's a lot of work available. As we integrated ourselves into Valve, it became clear that there was a lot of valuable work to be done on Half-Life Alex. Some of us starting lending, started lending a hand and have since become full-time on the project as it approaches launch. Similarly, some ex-campos are working on Dota Underlords, some are on Steam, and so on. So to answer your question as of today, in the Valley of God's development is on hold, but it certainly feels like a project people can and may return to. And when that happens, we'll find an exciting way to let fans know, end quote. Campo Santo released its original game, The Walking Simulator Firewatch, back in 2016, and it announced its second game, the aforementioned In the Valley of Gods, in 2017, aiming at a 2019 release date. The announcement was a year before Valve purchased Campo Santo. It's two interesting things in this, Chris. Number one, he basically says Campo Santo doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, basically. Which, and I feel like this is the thing that's being underreported, because he keeps saying ex-Campo Santo, former Campo Santo team, etc. Campo Santo doesn't exist anymore. So I don't know what the fuck Valve bought them for. Well, Valve just does this. They sort of like buy studios and then integrate them into Valve. And then they're just part of Valve. Like they, they did this with, um, I mean, I believe Portal was literally, I mean, it wasn't a company really. It was just like a bunch of people making a game at DigiPen University in, in Seattle or something. And they were just like, hey, come, va- come to Valve and make this. <laughs> and then they made it for them. And then they're just they're part of Valve. They, they are this kind of Borg like creature almost. It's kind of a shame because Campo Santo had some spark that I didn't like Firewatch very much. I thought Firewatch got weaker the more it went. And then we talked about this a little bit on the show already, so I don't want to be redundant. But they do have a pedigree. And he mentioned in here, some of these guys come from Telltale, the Walking Dead team. And I don't know. I mean, he says that like, you know, their expertise in first person story games is relevant to Half-Life. I mean, is it? I guess. I mean, I guess I guess Valve sees it that way. But to like buy a studio, I mean, you're right. They've absorbed them. But to buy a studio and be like, you guys are going on Dota Underworld. You guys are going to go on Steam. It's like, what? It just seems really weird. You kind of, you could have just acquired this talent in some other circuitous way. And the only benefit, I guess, was to the guy, you know, Rodkin and whoever else owned parts of the, the uh, team, which made out like bandits, I'm sure, financially. So. They don't say it outright, but in the Valley of Gods is obviously done. It's canceled. Yeah. And no, Campo pretty... Santo doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so it's so strange. It's kind of sad because they I remember they really they had a lot of pop and a lot of goodwill coming out of the studio or coming out of that first game. Rather, the studio did. And uh, actually back on Kind of Funny, my old company, we had them in for a spoiler cast. And uh, they were really cool in the sense that, like, I kind of grilled them about Firewatch to their face and talked to them about how I thought the ending was bad and all that. And they, they were very calm and answered the questions and gave their points of view. They were, they were nice, you know, so something personal. It's just, it's a shame to see their studio dissolved when they could have done something else. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess they, they look at it like, hey, we have a chance to be at Valve. That's a pretty good... Yeah, and, it's a and make a Half-Life chance. game. I mean, you can't obviously deny that. Yeah. So Number 10, Persona 5 Royal officially has a release date. We previously learned that the game would make its way westward in March of 2020, but now we'll, we know it'll come to PlayStation 4 at the very end of the month on March 31st. Persona 5 Royal is an updated version of the original Persona 5, the PS3 and PS4 JRPG by Atlas's internal Persona team, or P-Studio, that came out in Japan in 2016 and in the West in 2017. Persona 5 Royal, known as Persona 5 The Royal in Japan, came out this past October in Japan and packed some new features, storylines, and more. So this is very similar to Persona 4 Golden on Vita. This news comes out on the back of word that the original Persona 5 surpassed 3.2 million copies sold globally, with Persona 5 The Royals' Japanese PS4 launch netting an additional 400,000 sales so far. So the good news, Chris, is that we get to hear more about Persona <laughs> I was year. worried. I was so scared. Oh, thank God. Thank God for that. I can't wait for everyone to ask me to keep playing Persona. Really looking forward to that. <laughs> Number 11, if you play CD Projekt's title, uh, Projects title, what, what, what am I saying here? If you play CD Projekt's title, oh, okay, Gwent the Witcher card game on PlayStation 4, which launched on the console only a year ago, we have bad news. The publisher slash developer revealed that the game will no longer be supported on either PS4 or Xbox One, though it will continue to move the Witcher spinoff forward on PC and on mobile. A blog post on PlayGwent.com reads in part, considering that PC and mobile are the most popular platforms among, amongst Gwent players, we have made a tough decision to discontinue support of console versions of the game. All Gwent players on consoles will be offered an, an option to copy their account progress and purchases from their current platform to a GOG account which is used by both PC and mobile versions of the game, end quote. This will be necessary because as of the time you're hearing this podcast, the console versions will no longer be updated and will lose cross-platform online support, effectively isolating them on the old versions. The response on the CD Projekt message boards isn't positive, but this remains a necessary move. As the team notes, it simply cannot keep up with all the iterations of the game and must prioritize the most played versions. It's kind of sad. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't understand the obsession with these card games anyway. Uh, to me, they just seem like uh, an opportunity to have bad PR like this for something that's really not worth bad PR. Uh, I, I find it interesting because I guess it's a logical move when you think about it, but Gwent is such a robust part of the Witcher 3 experience as it is that you think that you would just make Gwent a part of Witcher 3 in a bigger way. In other words, like, make, like, lots of Gwent specific updates so that people have to own Witcher 3 and then they can play Witcher 3 but then you can go to the bars and the pubs and the whatever and play people or more people kind of like Pokemon where you meet the different trainers yeah. and whatnot. it just seems like they could have done more to benefit the core game because I liked playing Gwent in Witcher I don't know if you played it but I once I understood it I, I enjoyed it I liked playing it so I didn't like it enough to play it by itself though to your point I liked it as part of the greater experience it's just a card game right yeah. Yeah. So why not just make a real card game then? Yeah, they might have done. Might I don't not know. just See, literally make cards. Like I, I don't. I I will never understand this this Hearthstone or or Artifact or any any of these games because to me it's just like why wouldn't you just play cards? This is I I just I just don't get it. I I don't. You want I, to play I play Rummy. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like I play video games to do shit that I can't do in real life. I can play. I can play cards. He wants to play a little Texas Hold'em, perhaps. Ugh. Chris does. Well, there's more card-based uh, news here, Chris. Number 12. Cool. Just days after CD Projekt revealed the demise of the PS4 version of Gwent, publisher Bethesda revealed that its card-based game, The Elder Scrolls Legends, is likely on a slow but steady path towards death on every platform it's available on. 
And that affects us here on PlayStation because the PS4 port of the game announced back at E3 2018 and unseen a year and a half later is obviously canceled as a result. And a post on the game's Reddit of all places, there's an announcement that the publisher intends on veering off of its previously discussed roadmap, suspending any future content development and reiterating that the game is no longer in active development, in quotes. The current version of the game on mobile and PC will live on with multiplayer modes engaged for the time being. The Elder Scrolls Legends came to PC and mobile back in 2017. So that's the death of two pretty major card games. And if they can't make it work with the Elder Scrolls and with Witcher, then I imagine your card game of whatever ilk, unless it's like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone, is probably not going to survive for very long. That's what that tells me. Yeah. It's it's I'm shocked I'm shocked that it's I don't know man I I didn't even know about this <laughs> like that there was a Elder Scrolls card game yeah I remember it being an E3 and they at last year or two years ago I guess it was and yeah they talked about bringing it to PS4 and remember we did talk about it we there was one time we talked about it on the show as I recall people can tell me if there's others but remember when we talked about how like uh, Pete Hines and those guys at the marketing team. Uh, at Bethesda, we're discussing crossplay between platforms and how essential it was going to be for Legends and how it was fucking the PS4 version of the game as they were building it or something like that. We talked about it in one way, but Bethesda can't possibly have much more bad PR at this point. They seem like they're like not in great shape right now. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they have Doom Eternal coming out, which looks great and all of that, but not much else. And uh, we'll see how it all goes in towards Starfield and all this kind of stuff. But do you think that Bethesda and that, so I did want to note and I noted it in the write up. They made this announcement, I think, three days after CD Projekt announced the Gwent thing. Do you think that they were just like, let's just get let's just announce this now? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like our major competitors out. We might as well just get out of this. Yeah, I think so. Well, R.I.P. Unlike Gwent, the our Elder Scrolls Legends is just going to die. So. Number 13, the recent leak was true. Two beloved platinum developed games from the PlayStation 3 era are coming to PlayStation 4 and better yet, they're launching together. Publisher Sega has confirmed that the 2009 hack and slash game or action game Bayonetta and the 2010 fast paced third person shooter Vanquish yeah, are coming to PlayStation 4 early next year on February 18th, 2020. The game will be released on Blu-ray in addition to digitally and will run on PS4 Pro at 4K60. The collection will cost $39.99. While Bayonetta 2 and 3 were made by Platinum Games, they were published by Nintendo and will therefore never come to PlayStation platforms, at least not any time in the predictable future. Vanquish, on the other hand, never saw a sequel, and the IP remains in Sega's hands. Vanquish is already available in last-gen form on Xbox 360 and PC in addition to PS3, while the original Bayonetta is available on those place, in those places rather, as well as on Wii U and Switch. I'm pretty amped up about this. Yeah. I gotta be honest. Pretty yeah. amped up. <laughs> I'm really happy about this because Vanquish was so good. And uh, it's so nice to it's nice to hear news about it, even if it's not really news. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like an oh new Vanquish or anything. And I don't really necessarily even want a new Vanquish. But that original game was just so good. Oh, it's excellent. It's excellent. Vanquish is fucking excellent. Yeah, I've not played every platinum game, so I can't speak to this. But I, I would I would venture to say that it's the best platinum game that I've played. I would say it's definitely up there. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. What a weird game. Yeah, it's like it, it, for people that have not played Vanquish, it's a third person shooter. It's really action oriented. A lot of people used to describe it as like this could have been a G.I. Joe game, which is, I think, why I love it yeah. so much. And it, it's all about 
campiness and you slide around the maps on like your le- on your knees yeah you power with, like, slide special- across the map it's all it's it's gears it's japanese gears of war it's like if, if gears of war was like a gundam fucking just out of its completely out of its gore japanese game and it's like really fun so good. and i think the guy like i haven't played in a long time but i think the guy like smokes cigarettes like the yeah protagonist. They heal. he heals with cigarettes yeah heals with them right that's right yeah. good st- <laughs> that's so good that's good stuff i can't wait to uh, play it and it's cool to see you know Bayonetta has not been in the PlayStation consciousness in a long time because, as I said, Bayonetta 2 and 3, Bayonetta was only revived with Nintendo's money. Otherwise, it would have been dormant, too. So we are not going to get those. But it's cool that the original Bayonetta is not caught up in all of that. So we could still get Bayonetta, which uh, I haven't played or really even enjoyed that much back in the day. And then Vanquish, obviously. Getting them together, $39.99 is a great, great price. Can't really complain too much about this. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm sure you got. I'm sure you all find a way, but you can't complain too much about it. All right, Chris, wrap up number fourteen. Website Komatsu reports that Dungeon RPG is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Infinite Combat is coming to Western PS4s at some point in 2020. We got to get you a copy of that. <laughs> yeah. That the multi-chapter horror game Song of Horror is coming to PS4 at some point in the spring of 2020. That Pillars of Eternity 2's Deadfire Ultimate Edition is coming to PS4 on January 28th of 2020. And that the following games are launching on PS4 next week, December 17th. Towerfall-like multiplayer game Demons with Shotguns. Puzzle game Tamishi. Twin Stick Shooter Xenoraptor. And old school FPS Demon Pit. All those games actually look pretty cool in their own way. Yeah. Website Push Square reports that JRPG Sword Art Online Alicization Lacoris is coming to Western PS4s on May 22nd of 2020. That's it. All righty. Did you see any of those games? Demons with shotguns. I saw. Or? I saw uh, Demon Pit. Demon Pit. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. It's, it looks like a. It looks like Doom. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Like I'm always. Uh, I'm always down for Doom. We. Uh, well, I think we realized that at this point. Yeah. Chris, let's get into the new game releases. There are quite a few of them this week, as tradition dictates. You will begin. <sighs> okay. Ashen comes to PS4. Ashen is an open-world co-op action RPG about a wanderer in search of a place to call home. As you adventure through Ashen, you'll occasionally encounter other players in a massive open world. It's up to you to decide how to deal with them. Fight together against evil, invite them into your party, or simply ignore them. I've actually played a little bit of this. I think I played, like, it was maybe an early access on Xbox. I think it was maybe Game Pass or or a Game uh, Game with Gold or something. And it's kind of, it's okay. I like the art of it a lot. Yeah, it's been on, it's been on Xbox for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's one of those games that I like it. I don't know if I'd ever play it again. It's not terrible. It's one of those, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how to play Lots it. of those kinds of games out there in the world. Yeah. Avicii and Vector comes to PS4. Soar through vocal melodies, sweep each fade, and attack every beat in 25 of Avicii's biggest hits in this enthralling futuristic rhythm action experience, Avicii and Vector. Fly solo or bring the pulse-pounding frenetic energy of, Avicii, of an Avicii concert to your living room with your friends in competitive gameplay. This is a little weird because I'm pretty sure that guy's dead. Is he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's dead, and that's the only reason they're making this, which is a little weird. I Bl- can't wait for you to read this next one. Oh, God. <laughs> Black Sad Under the Skin <laughs> comes to PS4. A dark corruption scandal in the heart of New York City's underworld is a case for charismatic detective John Black Sad, <laughs> with his anthropomorphic characters. What? Yep. With its anthropomorphic characters and its incredible 1950s feel, Black Sad Under the Skin promises all the eerily dark adventure of a detective novel, just like the eponymous comic book series. So I looked this up a little bit. I was actually going to tweet it at you, and I didn't want to be mean. I felt like it was a little mean. 
because <laughs> I know that this is a comic series and people like it and stuff like that. But this sounds like it's one step away from a furry porn. Let's just be honest about it. It definitely definitely sounds like it. If you look up the uh, the art for it, it's a I think it's like a dog dressed up as a detective. No, it's a cat. A cat. I'm sorry. It's a cat. That's even worse. It's a cat. <laughs> it's a cat dressed up as a detective. John Black sad. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm looking it up. There's a lot of uh, surely is anthropomorphized. Yeah, I, I, that just doesn't do it. Uh, sometimes it does it for me, but not not typically like Sly Cooper is good, but I don't feel like Sly Cooper is uh, one step away from fucking someone. <laughs> <laughs> Cardpocalypse comes to PS4. Make friends. Oh, Jesus. Make friends. Play cards. Twist the rules. Become a mega mutant power pets master and try to save the world in the single player RPG about being a 90s kid. Explore <laughs> Dudsdale Elementary and build killer card decks to defeat the mutants from everybody's favorite collectible card game that have invaded the real world. That's how fucking old 90s kids are, is that they're making games about them as if they were yeah. like a different era. I know. It, was, it wasn't that long ago. It makes me feel very old. Yeah. yeah. The 90s. Oh, God. <laughs> fucking hieroglyphics all over the place. <laughs> These were written in the 90s. Dead End Job comes to PS4. Dead End Job sends you into a madcap, wacky world to bust up ghosts. It's a procedurally generated couch co-op twin stick shooter that, tr that straps a vacuum pack to your back and puts a plasma blaster in your hand. For you, it's just another day in the office. Fair enough. Dead End Job. I like that name. Yeah. eFootball Pez 2020 Lite comes to PS4. Pez, of course, is Pro Evolution Soccer. Experience the E3 Best Sports Game Award winning gameplay with PEZ 2020 now free to download. Build your dream team in my club or support your favorite side in match day mode. Live and breathe the most authentic soccer game ever created, developed with the assistance of renowned midfielder Andres Iniesta. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, is this the is this so PEZ is a Konami game. Is this the real PEZ? Like, are they making it all free to play? I don't know anything about this. I don't know. Like, because this is a, an interesting way. See, what this reminds me a lot of is when this seems like a good way for them to compete with FIFA. It reminds me of when Sega competed with Madden by doing the $20 NFL 2K5, if anyone remembers that. So you were paying $50 for Madden and you can go pay $20 for what a lot of people considered was a better football game. But that obviously puts Sega Sports essentially out of business. So... I don't know. I'll have to read more into this, but I think that's very wise. We talk about this all the time about making games into a platform and FIFA. I was always saying was the perfect game, but why not Pez? Yeah. Why not Pez? Good job, Konami. All right. Oh, God. Uh, Eternum X comes to PS4. Sir Arthur has gotten old. Too old. He has lost everything he had and loved. And with nothing more to lose, he leaves for Samarnath an evil subterranean kingdom which no knight has ever returned alive, in search of treasures, adventures, and the most important, five magical orbs that together provide the eternal youth. You can't use two colons like yeah, that. that you was, see how they, yeah. Can't do that. Can't do that, guys. Yeah, Come too on. much. Fishing. Baron C Complete Edition comes to PS4. I, like, I just wish it was called Fishing because that would have been fucking awesome. Take the helm of your very own fishing boat and explore the vastness of the Norwegian Sea. Start with the little boat inherited from your grandfather, catch fish, and earn money for upgrades as well as bigger and better boats. Enjoy the beautiful Barents Sea and make your fishing industry dreams come true. Fishing <laughs> fishing industry. <laughs> hey, man, I, it, it just it goes back. This is one of those games. Again, we talked about it with the truck driving and the farming, the logging. There's something about these games that's that are really intriguing to me, but I never sit down and actually play them. 
Yeah. So the idea of them, in other words, is more intriguing. Yeah. That they exist at all is interesting. Like there was that hunting game. What the fuck was that hunting game called by Cabela? That's on Apex. Oh, no, uh, not Cabela. The Apex engine by Avalanche. They made some sort of hunting game that was supposed to be pretty good. It might be called Hunter. That was supposed to be like pretty neat, like an open world hunting game. I've always kind of wanted to try that. But then, of course, Avalanche released Generation Zero. Yeah. And that put me off from them for a little while. I need a little. Well, bit hey, of you know what? I don't need any Hunter unless it's uh, Hunter the Reckoning. Oh, well, that's a nice little throwback. Uh, very nice little yeah. throwback. <laughs> so old. <laughs> Fuji comes to PSVR, a magical musical hike through lush chromatic VR wilderness. Bring dormant landscapes back to life by restoring native flora through light, water, and harmony while collecting seeds to grow your own enchanted garden. The experience merges aspects of adventure and cultivation into a refreshing, musically enveloping whole. All right. Gunlord X comes to PS4. Gunlord X is a 2D action platformer featuring stunning pixel art, 11 open world stages, nasty creatures, huge boss battles, and a pumping soundtrack. Blast yourself through giant landscapes, explore caverns, and reveal all secrets in this retro-inspired action game. Enjoy the definitive version of this classic masterpiece with tons of new features and updates. Headliner Nov- Nova News? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Headliner Nova News comes to PS4. Award-winning adventure. <laughs> oh, my God. Award-winning adventure where you control nation- national news. A stack of news articles sits on your desk. It's time to make decisions. After work, emerge on the streets of Novistan, shaped by the very news you publish. Watch the city the city change. I said shitty by accident. Shitty, yeah, there you go. Watch the city change by uh, day by day and influence the lives of the four main characters. What is this? I have no idea. A, a, a stack of news article sits on your desk. Thank you. Oh Definitely don't proof anything. <sighs> Quiet Un comes to PS4, seemingly uh, seamlessly, I'm sorry, combining 3D action and point-click adventure. Quiet Un provides a nostalgic yet new experience. Explore an old Japanese manner, solve clever puzzles, and fight against monsters called Yoki. Oliver's Adventures in the Fairyland <laughs> comes to PS4. A teenager from the modern world is being summoned into a fantasy world with an important task from a wizard to return the king's stolen treasures. Oliver's Adventures in the Fairyland is an indie adventure game inspired by the best Metroidvania titles. It packs retro, retro graphics, uh, roguelike elements, and classical platforming action. Classical platforming? Classical the platforming. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, like they're playing Bach? Yeah. While you're doing it? Why does it have to be called Oliver's Adventures in the Fairyland? Yeah, that's really off-putting, isn't it? Ugh. Everything about that's off-putting. Riftkeeper comes to PS4. Duty called and the Riftkeeper woke up from his deep slumber. Embark on your journey, travel through rifts, and, ex- <laughs> and restore the balance as the Riftkeeper in this handcrafted 2D <laughs> roguelite platformer. Jesus God. With challenging, fast-paced action gameplay. Uh, <laughs> shuttle Commander comes to PSVR. Take command of the space shuttle as it embarks on various missions to the Hubble Space Telescope. Fly the shuttle in full landing. Si- what? In a full landing simulation based on real physics and flight dynamics. Join the crew on the space shuttle missions and assist in the development and servicing of the Hubble. That sounds cool, but the space shuttle ended in complete disaster, and we no longer fly it. Yeah, and it's also, uh, it's just a job. It looks like a job, like, but in VR. 
Yeah, well, it's like Job Simulator. Yeah, except but, like it's just one job. But not like, self-aware? Yeah, yeah, not self-aware. <laughs> it's like a little Yeah, I'm, I'm interested simulator. to learn more about this because the space shuttle's uh, not been active for a long time. Two of them exploded, as we know, the Challenger and the Columbia. And uh, it's not like that well-remembered anymore, I don't think. But well, we'll see. Also, I think we're replacing the Hubble Space Telescope, too. So I think a lot of this is uh, it's a little weird. Super epic, the entertainment war comes to PS4. Join a raccoon and a llama in their quest to save video games as we know them. Super Epic is a Metroidvania-style action-adventure game filled with humor and satire. The gameplay is non-linear and fast-paced with exploration and combo-based combat. The weapon of choice against the evil Regnant Cor- Regnant Corp. Regnant Corp. Okay. Sounds interesting. Good word. Super Koratoma. Koratama? God damn it. Comes to PS4. Super Koratama is an arcade skill game. That emulates a classic retro-style arcade machine with different <laughs> perforated panels where the user can move a metal ball through a vertical bar that can be raised with the machine's joysticks. It's really specific. I know, that's very specific. The main objective of the game is to put the ball in the correct hole while avoiding the rest of the holes. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. That's really... <laughs> I mean, I guess that's. I guess that is describing it. Wow. All right. That was like reading a patent. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it is exactly like a patent. Touring Carts is the final game comes to PS4. Touring Carts takes maximum advantage of the possibilities of VR by reinventing cart type races in the midst of chaos full of action and surprises. Features 22 tracks and 30 customizable cars, up to eight players online, multiplayer support with no waiting and more. I guess it's a PSVR game. I mis- mislabeled it. Uh, is there anything here that intrigues you this week uh i can only speak to ashen which is not terrible at all and i think it's probably worth at least checking out because i i dig the art style of it there's uh you play as like these every character in the world has like no face and it's actually like super creepy Ooh. uh but that's the only one that i can speak to everything else seems kind of standard spam no black no black set under the skin for you i mean you know what honestly maybe i'll just pick black set up today and i'll stream it all night you should you might get turned on by it. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm afraid that that's. It's one, it's one fucking duster coat away from him taking that off and fucking some other animal. <laughs> I feel it. Good lord. I feel it. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right. As uh, tradition dictates, let's end our episode with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience. Remember that you can submit your inquiries on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. We very much appreciate it. And as our show gets more popular, which we so much appreciate as well, we're trying our best to incorporate as many of your inquiries as we can. Let's start with Kevin. It says, hello, Glasses Moriarty and Chiseled Jawline Chris. My question is about people recommending games that they swore you would love but didn't. This is a great question. For me, it was Bloodborne. My friends, who I now refer to as peasants, swore that I would love it. So I played it. Through trial and error, I managed to beat the game and felt meh about it. When I told my friends this, they got upset and excused me of cla- accused me of clout chasing. Naturally, I pointed out that you have to have clout in order to chase clout. Jeez, this is getting a little personal now for you over here. 
What were the games for you guys that people swore you would love but ended up being underwhelmed by? And were you ever excused, accused? You keep saying excused, by the way. It's accused of cloud chasing, cloud chasing by peasants. I don't think I've ever been accused of that, Kevin. Thank you for your inquiry. There's a few games that come to mind for me, Chris, but I'm wondering if you have any examples of this, because obviously everyone has the friend that's like, you gotta, it's just like movies or TV shows. You gotta play this. You're gonna love this. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. So is there are there any examples that come to mind for you where people were wrong? Uh, not immediately. I think the last one that people wanted me to play that I wasn't really all on board with, that they everybody thought that I would like it was, I think it was, oh my God, what the hell was ages? Oh, Brink. <laughs> It was Brink. The, uh, splash damage, uh, Bethesda published game. Yeah, it was Brink, because everybody was like, dude, you'll love it. It's like parkour, and it's like Halo, but with parkour. And I'm like, that sounds badass. And then I played it, and it most definitely was not what that was. I remember Brink because it had that really, really cool sky blue cover. Yeah. And that's like the thing I remember the most about it, is the is the cover of it. I have it. I played it at an event once. Didn't care for it very much. I always loved Splash Damage's name, though. I think that's a great name of a studio. Love it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, for me, the game that comes to mind is Persona 4. Uh, I thought that... I, first of all, I spent uh, you know quite a bit of time on Vita with Persona 4 now, probably 30-plus hours. I, I stopped. I'm just not playing it anymore. It's fine, It's but I don't understand. This game has like a real hardcore fan base, and I have to say I don't get it. Like I just do not get it at all yeah i found like the, the coolest parts of the game which is being in dungeons and fighting it's just not in the game enough i feel like there's a lot it's one of those games that stresses me out where there's like literal days and if you don't use your time wisely you're obviously missing out on something so it doesn't like appeal to me in that way i don't like finite games it's like one of my problems with civilization actually and, like why i like playing really long games of the you know where you have like 500 turns or whatever yeah. Because I, I don't like these games that kind of shove everything into one day. And then like, well, are you in, in, in persona? It's literally like, are you going to go to work? Are you going to read a book? Are you going to go hang out with your friends? I'm like, I don't fucking know. And I, I don't know like what what I'm doing. Like, what is what am I trying to even do here? So <laughs> I was really I was really quite surprised with people recommending me to me for years. Persona four. And then when I finally sat down and played it, I'm like, this is this is fine. I mean, it's good. But it's definitely nowhere near the best JRPGs I've ever played. And I've played many JRPGs, many, many, many. So, yeah. Now, I appreciate if other people enjoy it. That's fine. And I, we're going to get it. That's why with Persona 5 Royal, I'm just dreading it because I know that people are going to be like, oh, you didn't like Persona 4. You got you're going to love Persona 5, though. It's like just no, please. don't. Yeah, it's usually FPS for me that usually like people are like you should play Payday 2. And then I play Payday 2 and I'm like, that was fine. You know, or like I'll play. I think the biggest one that like I got the most flack for was was Half Life Two. I didn't like Half Life Two as much as I liked the original Half Life, and everybody was like, "That's insane! You're fucking, you're crazy! Like you gotta, you have to, you gotta have brain worms." Well, <laughs> it was just like I don't know. The first one was cooler. You you might have brain worms, but it's unrelated to your opinions. Yeah, on <laughs> uh, Half Life Two. The the other game for me is uh, Near Automata, which we brought up earlier because that's a platinum game published by Square Enix. I never got past the opening sequence in the game. I tried to play it twice and people know that there's like an opening weird opening sequence. And I'm like, I don't I can't 
You know, yeah. sometimes thing are, things are just too Japanese for me. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they're just the right amount of Japanese for me. And sometimes those those definitions change. Like I really love tales, which is a very Japanese, overly Japanese. I love Danganronpa, which is about as Japanese as you can get. But uh, with this, I was like, I don't know. No, I don't think so. What do you think? Uh, what's a game that you thought you would hate that you ended up li- liking? Oh, that's an interesting question. Huh. I think the game that comes to mind for me the most in the last few years is Dying Light, which I thought I would hate because Techland made it. And we have to remember, in the the context in which Techland made this game, they had just made Dead Island, which isn't very good. No. So they made this game. They have a new publisher with it. WB published it. I was like, I don't know. And that was an example of a game that I wanted to play just to see what it was and ended up loving it. I mean, that's that's an example of me being just judging a book by its cover. And that's why I think it's so important that we try not to do that, except for when we read all of the games that come out every week and judge every one (laughs) of them by their write-ups. I thought I was going to hate Alan Wake when I first played it. Yeah, but you ended up liking it. Yeah. Did you like the American Nightmare? I didn't play thing? the American Nightmare. I never got around to it. Yeah. I'm calling it the American Nightmare like I'm an old person, but I think it's just American <laughs> Nightmare. Toast9 wrote into us. That's Toast IX. Very strong name. He said, what's good, CNC? I was recently taking a look at the release window for December and January, and my God, it is bleak. With a two-month period that is missing any notable releases, what games are you two planning to catch up on? Are there any new franchises you are willing to try? For me, I might use this time to dive into Trails of Cold Steel, which I've been hearing many good things about. It's funny because I've been thinking about diving into that as well. Chris, these next couple of months will be great for us before we start getting bombarded with the likes of Final Fantasy VII Remake and Neo 2 and blah, 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 blah. Dreams, of course, February 14th. Are there any games that you're looking to kind of just sit with for the next couple of months and catch up with? Oh, man, I definitely... I want to get around to finishing the Outer Worlds because I'm I'm so freaking behind on it. It's insane. Like I just I totally got swept out from everything else. But I think I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try and make a good faith effort to get through Final Fantasy VII proper. No, oh. like I want because I know the new one's coming out and I want to have like some frame of reference. And also I do remember liking it. I just put it down because I was like ah I'm stuck and I didn't feel like thinking too much. No, so I like, understand that completely. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to try and make a a proper like a good old college try here and maybe actually get through it. I think that you'll be pleased that you did. Yeah. And you know, it's I like these times where well, first of all, with Final Fantasy VII, it's worth noting if you play it on PS4, and I think the PC version has this too wherever you play it, you can play it on Xbox 1 now as well. They do have ways to kind of cheat where you can make the game run really fast and where you can always have limit breaks. So if you're looking to just get through the game quickly just to see it, those are options because the game runs really quick at that point. Like the frame rate runs five times quicker or whatever. So yeah. you just get through fights really quick and all that. Um, so it's useful. So yeah, Final Fantasy VII is a great game. And it's it's funny because it's one of those games that I think people are down on over time a little bit in certain circles. And I went through and platinumed it and replayed it in 2017. And uh, I loved it. I was like, wow, I because I, I, I had played it back in 1997. It was the first PS1 game I ever bought. I bought my PlayStation 1 for it and I liked it. But I, there were so many RPGs from that era that I really loved more, like Wild Arms and some others that Final Fantasy 7 really took a backseat. And I kind of believed my anti-hype as time went on. And so to sit down with it for the first time in like 20 years and then play it all the way through was really cool. And it, and it definitely holds up. So I'll be interested to hear uh, what you think of that. It's funny you brought that up, though, because I have this plan in my mind. And it's funny that our listener here 
brought up a Toast 9 brought up a Trails of Cold Steel, which is a JRPG series. I want to play a JRPG every month next year. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but I feel like I'm falling so far behind on some of these games. Like I didn't play some of these newer Tales games and some of the new Tales re-releases. I never beat Final Fantasy 15, etc. and so on. I never played any of the Trails of Cold Steel games. Maybe I will play Persona 5 Royal. Who knows? But I'd like to sit with a JRPG every month and see if I can play one front to back. I, I want to play Star Ocean and stuff like that. So I think that that's how I'm going to begin my year. But the one game that I feel like I need to get to, Chris, is Neo. In preparation of Neo 2, I've been talking for a long time now about going back to that. I think now is the time. And uh, once I finish Fallen Order, I'm with you. I got to get back to the Outer Worlds. But I'm wondering now if I've, if I've gone so long where I got to kind of start again, which sucks. Yeah, because I don't I don't remember. I played all of Death Stranding in between. I played all these other games. I don't know if I've I've stretched it too thin. So I got to go back and check it out. Yeah, I'm, I definitely possible. might have to just straight up start a new guy. It, and if that happens, I'm not playing the Outer Worlds for a while. Like if if I go back and decide that, like, I just can't mechanically play this. I don't know what's going on. I got to restart. Unfortunately, I got to put it on the shelf for another time because I, I just don't have the patience to do that right now. Alex Gidley wrote in, said, a up gents. I don't I don't know what that means. After last week's discussion of product placement within video games, what do you think about politicians campaign advertising in video games, much like Obama did in Burnout Paradise? By the way, I totally forgot about that. Do you think it's a good way to reach a wider audience or do you think it has no place in the medium? I think it's a great idea, personally. Why wouldn't you want to be where your audience is? Yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think it makes sense. I think I'd be a little bit confused to see that. But I mean, hey, you know, do what you got to do. I think it'd be weirder playing burnout paradise now seeing that ad yeah <laughs> and you're just like, i don't know if they were dynamic or not at that point i don't think or so if they're just in the game yeah yeah so that, <laughs> i don't know i feel weird. i feel a little bit more weird about that than just like a generic monster energy in uh, norman reedus's back pocket but uh i think i think it would be cool i think it would put the only thing is is that it's a huge risk no, you know, totally. You're gonna be you're gonna be putting people off. Can you imagine? You, sure. Can you imagine putting like a fucking? I don't even know. Like uh, you get a call from Ted Cruz in like a Metal Gear Solid game. <laughs> you're like what the what the fuck is this? Like why? He's what? on the codec. Yeah. He's like, be sure to vote. Uh, be sure to go to TedCruz.com or something. It's like what? Yeah, we'll talk about the flat tax in a codec <laughs> conversation with uh, Ming Lee or whatever his her name was. Yeah. Was that her name? Ming Lei. I don't know something. something. Mei Ling. I yeah. Think. So yeah. What is it? I think it's Mei Ling. Mei Ling. Mei Ling. Right. That was close. Yeah, so I don't I don't mind it in, pre- in premise. I just don't know that it's the why it would cause a lot of controversy. If I were a politician, though, I would want to do it simply because people would write about it and talk about it, even if it caused consternation amongst the users. That would be like a really notable thing. Because remember, like when you're watching, I didn't know, Chris, we're so detached from this in California and you don't even watch TV and I don't watch much TV. But I was with my mom and stepdad in Virginia and I'll be living with them for a couple of months and they watch TV, which we discussed. I think it's so con- I think it's so weird, right, that anyone actually watches TV. But the one thing I noticed about being in a swing state as opposed to California is that there are just so many political ads and you don't really get that upset when you're watching like, I don't know, a Fox show or something like a, whatever the case may be, Last Man Standing and then a, a commercial for Bernie Sanders comes up. It's not like, ah, Last Man Standing. You know, it's just you understand that that's like advertising. So maybe people would be a little more smart about it, a little smarter about it, I should say, and understand that it's not necessary, especially if they're dynamic and anyone can buy in yeah. to, the ad, to the ad campaign or whatever. See Mike Bloomberg pop up in FIFA. That's what you all want. Good I know Lord. It. That's what we all want. 
he's already spent 55 million dollars yeah on this campaign that's insane it's fucking i mean it's talk about burning money in a fucking trash can yeah <laughs> it's probably just a lowers lowers bracket yeah i mean when you have yeah i mean i think he i think he's worth 80 billion dollars or something like that which yeah more power to you i have no problem with you being worth whatever you're worth but yeah that's still a lot of money. Like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, all right, he's worth this much, but he doesn't have that much in, in liquid assets. I mean, how much money does like actual money does this guy actually have where he can spend that much money on early state primary ads? It's not even the general election. Holy moly. Yeah. Tyler Brown wrote in, said, hey, CNC, I know that you and Chris have talked about resistance many times on the podcast. And by the way, we talked about project resistance earlier he's talking about resistance from insomniac but i was just curious if either of you have seen the numerous posts that insomniac has made has been publishing on social media lately regarding the franchise obviously nothing directly pointing to a remaster of the trilogy or a new game but part of me feels like they are trying to generate hype for the series which sort of indicates to me that something may be in the works having said all of that i just wanted to see if you or chris had any input on the matter thanks for making every day fucking great again whoa Ooh. now everyone knows i'm a big resistance fan and I would love to see the series come back. I know that there was some chatter at some time after Resistance 3 came out for a Resistance 4. It never obviously came to fruition. Resistance 3 kind of ends in a weird way. I don't think it was necessarily even supposed to end the way it ended, to be honest. I think that that when they realized Resistance 3 was going to be the last game, I think they made some changes. So I would love to see this franchise come back. I love that it's rooted in real history. I love that it surrounds the Tunguska event, which was a real event in Zar late Tsarist Russia in like 1908, when an asteroid exploded over the tundra and caused a lot of damage. And in resistance lore, that explosion was actually the arrival of the Chimera, which are the alien species in the game. And I really loved it. I thought it was awesome. And what I really loved about it was that the first one took place in Europe, and then the second one took place in the U.S., and the third one took place in the U.S., which is unfortunate, but it, it at least explored some different areas, which I like, because I'm so tired of games, every game taking place in the United States. Are you a fan of this uh, franchise, Chris? Resistance, I, I liked it. I didn't really dive too deeply into it, because I didn't really have a PS3 at the time, when it was like really in its heyday. But I enjoyed it. I would love to play them all again. I think this would be a wonderful way to raise consciousness about the series, and, and now that Insomniac's internal... As a first party studio, they Sony obviously owns the resistance trademark. But now that they're internal, it begs the it, it begs the question, can they return to this and will they return to this? And I don't think it's a coincidence that they are tweeting out random pictures of Chimera and stuff. Why would they be doing that? Resistance three came out eight years ago. There's no reason to. Tweet out a picture of the Chimera, <laughs> You know, like, yeah, this isn't a re this isn't a relevant franchise to Sony at all anymore, or is it? And I think that that's a reasonable question. So will we see a resistance collection? That would be nice. That'd be pretty cool. They can make some interesting fixes, fix that disastrous resistance to trophy list, uh, which is horrible. Give resistance one a trophy list for the first time, which two, they never did. Two is the one that I didn't play. I never got around to playing two. Two was good. I liked two. Two is the least popular one, but I liked it a lot. Two was really trying to be like part Halo, part Call of Duty. Oh, right. It didn't really know what it was. Resistance 3, I think, is, is a game with a unique identity. It's a great game. Really great game. So, and I love the Chimera. I think that they're great enemies. They're great villains. We never actually, in the if you want to get nerdy right now, we never actually saw the Chimera ever in the Resistance games because the enemies you're fighting are infected by the Chimera virus, but we never went to the Chimera in Homeworld 
or understood like what they were doing. So there's actually a story to be told if anyone gives a shit. Yeah. But I don't I don't know that anyone cares. But no, I don't think it's cool. a coincidence that they're tweeting those things out. Anything else to say about resistance, Chris? No, I would just like to play them again. I, I, it's kind of baffling to me that they haven't already done this. You know what I mean? Like to, to like put out a collection of these kind of these games because these are pr- the only. Well, I guess Killzone exists, but like I, I don't know. I, I think Resistance is better than Killzone in like every conceivable way. So like uh, I agree. Uh, now mechanically, I think a lot of people think Killzone's better, and Killzone obviously has that really robust War Zones thing going on with online that people really like. But I'm surprised that they haven't done it with both. They did re-release Killzone, actually super massive. The guys behind Until Dawn, and we were talking about their game Man of Madan. They ported. Killzone, the original Killzone from PS2 to PS3. Now, the original Killzone sucks. Yeah. So that's not a like it's a really bad game uh, from what I remember. So that's not really a thing that I think people are hankering for. But it's I think it's interesting to your point that they've not put Killzone or Resistance together. I mean, why not see what would be fucking crazy, Chris, is if they said, like, we're going to release Killzone and Resistance in a compilation together, you know, very much like like rare replay almost where it's like we got six trophy lists and all sorts of and the multiplayer functionality works and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be really neat. Yeah. But, uh, probably inconceivably difficult from a semantical standpoint. I don't even know if it would be that difficult. Well, I'm just making excuses for them, I guess, them in that case. Hamza wrote in. I think that's a character from Samurai Showdown, but I could be wrong. Hi, Colin and Chris. Why? That's what he asked. Why? Why do we not want every console maker to succeed? Why so much hate amongst the fans of these makers? What is happening? Brand loyalty? Does any other industry have this to this scale? I just want all uh, uh, all us Xbox, Sony, Nintendo gamers to get along and be happy for one another. Help us. Thank you. You do great work and I am very appreciative. Now, I don't think we're like this on this show. No. In fact, Sony hates us. <laughs> so you can tell that that, that at least yeah. plays part into it. But uh, I find the fanboy stuff increasingly weird. I don't find it increasingly prevalent. I think it's just as prevalent as it's always been. But I agree with Hamza here. I find it strange unless you own stock or materially invest in one of these companies or work at one of them. I don't really see why you would care. Like with MLB The Show going multi-platform, this caused a lot of drama online. And I was like... First of all, a lot of people don't know a lot about what they're talking about. No offense to some of these people out there that are commentating. They just don't understand anything. It took me about two seconds to realize that there was more to this story than the game simply going to Xbox. But I don't give a shit what happens to Xbox or Nintendo. I, I just I think it's great. If they do great, that I think that's wonderful. It's never affected me. What do you think about the fanboy stuff? Yeah, I can't really empathize with it. I think I understand where it comes from from a base standpoint like from just like a ape brain kind of thing because like when you grow up with something and you have like an attachment to something you kind of have this unnecessary not not that you're beholden to it but you 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 value it more than you might be valuing anything that could be comparable that you don't have that experience with so when somebody else comes to you and says like you know ah you know uh killzone sucks i'm a halo guy and you're like a kill zone person for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> you're like, you know, you got <laughs> there's a defensiveness because it, that's somebody else saying that your tastes are bad or something. And I think people just need to realize that uh, tastes are tastes. And I think most people do. I think most adults do. I don't necessarily think it's unique in gaming, by the way. I think like you'll, you'll see this among like Apple and iPhone and like and, and Android and stuff like that. 
right or even or even mac and pc like even just from not even even taking games out of the equation just mac and pc is like another whole thing where it's like how the hell could you use a mac uh for anything and it's i don't know there's there's strength and weaknesses with everything and i think the more people have experience with all those things the less likely they are to have that kind of fanboyish kind of elitist enthusiast mindset but it takes it takes being exposed to that other those other things to even have that so i guess we're just lucky that we're exposed to all sorts of things yeah it's funny because it's it's not endemic to only gaming like you said i I mentioned comics which is another place where people get all up in arms with each other yeah but you don't see it in other ways like you don't see it in the film industry really like I'm a Paramount fan, you know, or whatever. I don't. I don't even. You know, oh, you don't I don't see know. It. There was a whole thing just recently about Scorsese, talking about how w- the Marvel movies. Yeah, how Marvel is in cinema, and everybody's like, Scorsese's never made a good movie in his life. I actually yeah, saw right. that, like for real. <laughs> like it's, it's like, all right, come on, let's calm down. Have you seen The Irishman, by the way? I haven't seen it yet. Well, I heard it's, it's great. It's, it's pretty damn great. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Scorsese's most mediocre movie is better than anything that will ever come out under the Marvel banner. I just want to be really clear about that. Yeah, probably. I just, I mean, that's. <laughs> I love the thing though when people were like, "Scorsese's just," <laughs> Scorsese's jealous. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Scorsese's jealous, guys. Yeah, guy that made know. Goodfellas is uh, is jealous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I the brand loyalty stuff's weird. It's weird. Yeah, for sure. Because having preferences, we all have preferences. Yeah. And that's one thing. But I I think I'm so I'm not immune to it, but I guess I'm so used to it where people have I've been a public figure for a really long time and people have insulted everything about me. Every look I have, every opinion I hold, everything I've ever said, whatever the case might be. And I'm somewhat immune to it because I'm used to everyone saying like the music I like sucks, the games I like suck. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really affect, you know, when people are like 311 sucks or Mega Man sucks. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I don't really care. Yeah. I feel that way. Um, but yeah, I think people have to just let go of that, that visceral need to, to defend things. And you don't find us doing that on PlayStation uh, or on Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, because I don't feel that way. I prefer playing on PlayStation. I like PlayStation. I like the ecosystem. I want it to do well. But I truly believe that it doing well does not have to come at the sake of any other gaming company. If everyone does well and the high tide raises all boats, then gaming is in a really strong place, which is what's happening right now. So that's the way I see it. I just have my preference. I'll be playing on PlayStation for decades still. Yeah. So that's just what I like. That's who I am. Yeah, for sure. Deal with it. (laughs) Chris, final inquiry comes from Paul Sabo. He says, what's up, guys? I've been a listener since the good old beyond days, and I finally got around to getting a Patreon. Well, thank you, Paul, for your longtime support. My question is pretty simple. Who would Sony give the SOCOM IP to, and why haven't they already? We have been talking for what feels like months now about how pretty much all of Sony's first party or just headliner games are in the third-person open-world action genre. SOCOM can not only give them a linear shooter, but if done right, open a door into the multiplayer scene. I don't know about you guys, but I can easily see SOCOM making moves in the esports scene. And then he says, parenthetically, please don't point out my poor grammar live if read, Colin. I'm self-conscious enough as it is. And parentheses, love all that you do. Well, your your writing was quite on point. I don't think I edited anything there, Paul. Yeah. Thank you very much. Now, we've long discussed that the rumors that SOCOM is alive and well, and, and I've heard that SOCOM is in consideration. And I think SOCOM might be in development, as we've said many times, a gorilla. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just conjecture based on a few things that I know and a few things that I've heard, but... 
we've talked many times in the past that specifically the creative director, I think it was of what is that Ubisoft game that Bunty loves? Why can't I think of it? Oh, uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Siege, right. He went to Gorilla. Now, that's an interesting thing. I don't know why Gorilla would need that expertise. See, it was very similar to when Gorilla hired the writer of New Vegas. And so that told us that they were making an open world RPG. And lo and behold, they made an open world RPG. So if you follow the same logic, them hiring people that worked on Rainbow Six Siege, I don't think they're hiring them to work on Killzone. They already have the guys that worked on Killzone there. So I think SOCOM's coming back. And I'm not, I wouldn't be willing to bet on it or put any money on it, but I think you'll see SOCOM. I think you'll see it out of Gorilla. And I, I completely agree with them. I think SOCOM can live again. I think SOCOM is one of those few IP in Sony's arsenal that means something to people. It has a lot of symbolism as being one of the first, first of all, the first first party game of any consequence that was played on the line on PS2 with the network adapter. And people still with H hour. I don't know if people remember that game that was going to come out or did maybe come out. That was from the guys that made SOCOM originally, not Zipper, but from some of the guys that worked on the original SOCOM. There's a little bit of an appetite for this. And now with asymmetric multiplayer and squad based multiplayer being such a big thing, I think SOCOM's got to come back. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's uh, I think now's I mean, ideally, like a year ago would have been pretty good timing. <laughs> but but I think, uh, yeah, it's weird that they're just they're, they're just sitting on this FPS series that they could easily use. Well, I was I was thinking about this because SOCOM's third person, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah. Or could you play it in both? I you might be able to play it in both. I don't. Maybe know. I'm thinking of what? What the hell was? Uh, SOCOM's definitely third person, but I, I remember there there being points where it was like almost Metal Gear like, where you could click in the stick or something, and you would go into first person for like a little bit. Also, Zipper made Mag, which was first person. I don't know. It's just weird that they don't have. They just have the shooter franchise though. That they're just not doing anything with, and I guess like I guess they are though. If what you're <laughs> assuming that assuming that what you've heard is correct, yeah. Just assu- I mean, just I'm just trying to put some links together here. You know, I've not heard anything concretely. Like I like I know what Blue Point's making. That's that's an open secret in the industry, right? Yeah. But I don't know specifically what Gorilla is is doing, and I I can't help but wonder if. Uh, if maybe they're being quiet with Killzone because SOCOM is is coming back or if they hire these guys to make Killzone into something more like Siege. But that doesn't seem to be a really smart move because Killzone is something that's already defined and I think should and will come back. I think I, I still think it's really wise to have a Killzone game at launch again, just to have some sort of proprietary shooter in this in this mix, because everything that sells at launch does well. Yeah. So if you really wanted to force someone to like something like res- maybe they're doing maybe they're going to do it with Resistance. Which would be fucking awesome, because Resistance Fall Man was a PS3 launch game. What so, do you think they're gonna like, uh, like launch with a a new like a Resistance collection? I don't. Maybe 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 Resistance Four. Who knows? You know, I don't know. These teases about Chimera on an Insomniac Twitter account just seems a little much to me. Yeah, you know? for sure. But nonetheless, we'll uh, we'll hope and pray. Dude, SoCom is so sad because it's like they, that game didn't even die because it was like bad. That whole that whole franchise got fucked by the by a hack. Yeah, the outage happened. I think SOCOM 4 came out and I think this network went down for six weeks, two days later. So the game was cooked at that point. You know? Yeah. And that happened to a few games during that era, like Motorstorm Apocalypse from Evolution 
was supposed to come out and then was pushed indefinitely because of the Japanese earthquake. And there was a there was a, a course or a couple of courses in there that were all about earthquakes and things getting destroyed. And I think they wanted to be sensitive about that. But that basically killed that series. And then Evolution went on to Drive Club and then killed themselves. So uh, and then Evolution, of course, went on to create Onrush for Codemasters. But enough of that. Enough of the enough of the knowledge for now. Chris, let's wrap it up. All right. It's time to go. I have nothing left to say. Yeah. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? Uh, I honestly, I'm probably going to cook, honestly. No. I'm so hungry. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought you went to get a sandwich. Uh, I <laughs> I ordered it and it was like taking forever, so I actually didn't end up eating anything. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's a shame. That's too bad. All right. Well, we appreciate everyone out there. Thank you so much for your love, your kindness, your support, your generosity. We hope you continue to enjoy the show. Thank you to our patrons, especially for your patience. As I know, this episode is going up a little late for you, but we wanted to wrap everything up so we didn't have to go a whole week or more. Plus, if we recorded on time, we wouldn't have gotten the show information here either, like MLB the show. So it all worked out timing wise. We'll be back on a normal schedule next week, of course. Yeah. Uh, With the Game Awards, the Game Awards happens Thursday. We'll just talk about all that next week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else you want from me. I Some people were saying we should do a PlayStation Plus about it, but I don't want, and I explained it on this show and on Twitter, I don't want Sacred Symbols Plus to have information that should conceivably be in a regular episode right. you know, behind a paywall. Because I look at Sacred Symbols as kind of like an ongoing saga, and I'm not even being facetious. Like I feel like it's just a saga of news and information and thoughts that can be listened to sequentially for many years. And... I feel like I don't want something massive missing, which are going to be all those announcements that happen at including, including a Ghost of Tsushima announcement. Yeah, so we'll see. Maybe a release date. Yeah, it's super That'll cool. Be pretty exciting. What do you want to assuming there'll be a release date on Ghost of Tsushima? Do you want to make a, a last minute prediction here? What you think it will be? Last minute prediction. I think. Uh, oh, man, I'm I'm betting probably launch. So you think it's going to come out PS5 launch? I think it might be a launch. And then backwards compatible on PS4. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think that that might be possible. I see. I thought that about Death Stranding forever. I was totally wrong. So who knows? I think Ghost of Tsushima will come out in August. Really? And yeah, on PS4. When's The Last of Us? The Last of Us comes out in June, right? Or May? You don't think that's like a bit too close? Oh, well, I think that they have to get it out before. Well, assuming what you're if you're right, then no, because then they can put it out whenever they want. But if it's really a native PS4 game then they they run the risk of putting it out too close to PS5. Right. Which I guess actually isn't that much of a problem because of the forwards and backwards compatibility. But I don't know, August, September, I think would be the latest, in my opinion, that you'll see that game. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know any information about it, so I'm not speaking. And by the way, all the people that write these little stories about the things I say and put them online, that's fine. But understand the SOCOM stuff, all conjecture. So just uh, you can write a story about it. That's fine. Send as much traffic towards us as you want. Uh, I just don't want to. I don't want your readers to get upset. All right, uh, Chris, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Of course. Uh, Thank you all out there. We'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. 
Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algaret, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixie, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Patrick Carper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Ruidon, Fitzpatrick, Chris Galvin, Darren Gardner, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Tyler Goodwin, Hayden Gorringe, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Richard Hebert III, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Scott Hernandez, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphreys, Blake Israel, Azan Isa Al Raisi, Josh Yeager, Joshua Jonathan, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Mason Cadillac, Jackson Lastiqua, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M., Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranka, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Andrew Mendoza, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Stephen Nieder, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, Dan Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Purdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymel, Jeff Pollard, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Joshua Smallwood, Matthew Tamer, Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Michael Vecchio, Justin Wagaman, Oakley Waldron, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayne, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Bloody Fang, Organic Produce, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, McDog18, Infinite, Boots, Mad Mock Media, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Craftheads Podcast, Richter86, Hugo's Desk, A Fortuna, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Gamer Filmaholic, Megadet, and Rainick. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain, it's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.